0: Ramble.
1: I've been trying to explore ways to increase my creativity lately and listening to audiobooks with Audible has been one of them. I've made it a daily habit to listen to Audible every day for the past few years now and I can honestly say that I found a lot of inspiration on how to tell my stories through the titles I've listened to so far. Audible makes it so easy to listen to because it's pretty much hands-free, meaning I can listen to it as I'm driving, doing my skincare, or even when I'm cooking dinner. I don't need to set aside a specific time because I can pretty much listen listen to Audible whenever and wherever. Finding a new title to listen to is as easy as picking up my phone and scrolling through the app. They have thousands of titles to choose from, and you can easily sort by specific genres like romance, thrillers, or even nonfiction to find titles that pique your interest. Currently, I'm listening to First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. The main character is Evie Porter, and she has the perfect life, a doting boyfriend, a white picket fence, and a fancy group of friends, except there's only one catch. Evie Porter doesn't exist, it's just a name given to her to complete her mission by Ryan Sumner, her boyfriend. I never want to pause this audiobook because it constantly has me trying to guess what's going to happen next. If you enjoy psychological thrillers that centers around a cat and mouse game, I definitely recommend listening to First Line Wins. But Audible offers way more than just audiobooks. You can listen to podcasts like ours on their platform. They even offer Audible originals like Words and Music. They have musicians like Mariah Carey and John Legend give us personal peeks into their lives as they explain how they bring their creative visions to life on Audible's original series Words and Music on top of that they give raw performances on some of their favorite songs if that's something that interests you i definitely recommend signing up with audible to browse their words and music original series audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog new members can try audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 to try audible free for 30 days
0: bada bing bada boom
1: Ooh, that one was an energetic one are you feeling good today because i'm about to ruin your spirits with today's story i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't know what's going on but this case is just gonna make you freaking want to punch someone i feel like cases where you have lots of social media posts you've got incriminating evidence on social media you've got incriminating you know emails it's just, I mean, just this... clown emojis. Yes, just clown emojis. This is like, where are the brain cells? So there's a book called Runaway Devil by Robert Remington and Sherry zik and this is about the case of the runaway devil the richardson family case and i i don't even want to give you an intro because i don't want to spoil anything so this takes place in medicine hat alberta canada in 2006 why did i say it like that medicine hat though that's a town name
0: medicine hat
1: yeah imagine saying like i live in medicine hat no cap there could be
0: (laughs) (laughs) could be a lot worse names yeah there could be
1: like Los Angeles immediately everyone's like "Ew." okay sounds good (laughs) so this all starts with a boy by the name of Gareth and it's interesting because he is not like a pivotal person in this entire story but it all starts with him so he's six years old and his favorite things in life were I don't know things that six-year-olds are into like hockey wrestling pretending to be like a Jedi knight engaged in a galactic struggle that was his jam now thankfully for him his best friend Jacob lived right next door I was gonna say he did not exist imagine that's the plot twist Gareth is losing his marbles at six years old never mind okay so his best friend is his right next door neighbor Jacob and he would constantly just ask his mom like hey can I go hang out with Jacob on the weekends can I go hang out with Jacob on the weekends and they were supposed to have a sleepover that specific Saturday in April of 2006 but it ended up not happening because Gareth had a hockey game that he wanted to go to instead so Sunday morning approaches they're out running all of these um, errands and Gareth is like hey mom now that we're at home. Do you think I could hop by Jacob's? Because I didn't get to hang out with him that much. And the mom's thinking about it and she's like, you know what? We did run errands all day. And he didn't complain. Like, okay, fine. I'm going to pull up to the driveway. Let's see if the family car is there. Sure enough, you know, the the dad's pickup truck was just sitting in their next door neighbor's driveway. And she's like, alright, well you go say hi to Jacob and make sure to come home for dinner. So she goes into her house and she starts kind of like unpacking and like cleaning all these groceries that she just brought in. And almost a minute later, her six-year old son runs into the house and says mommy there's dead bodies at Jacob's house with blood on them I saw them through the window and she says what I mean he's six years old six years old you say some crazy things but you don't say stuff like this you don't just like come home and say stuff like this and she said what did you just say I said I think I saw some bodies with blood on them can you please come and so she's like okay he starts booking it back to the neighbor's house she starts running after him and she even screamed at him like you better not be lying Gareth this is not something to joke about she peers through the window and sure enough she sees the body of a man lying face up I mean his entire body from head to toe was covered in blood and his hands were reaching out into the air as if he's like in motion as if he's trying to punch someone but he wasn't moving like his hands are just like fists up in the air but they're not moving Wait,
0: his hand hands are in here
1: yeah huh okay so i mean they're not like all the way up like elbows locked but they're like up looking almost like a defensive position and so you know it's I mean it's very alarming there was blood all over his face there was too much blood to even identify who this man was and then closer to him there was Deborah lying on the floor bent at an odd angle so this is a woman and she is near like the basement entrance she's kind of on her back kind of on her side she could clearly see that this is the mom of the household Deborah, and she starts freaking out she grabs her six-year-old son because that's not something you want your six-year-old son to see and she runs back to her house but she had left the front door open so she's like oh my god if there is a neighborhood killer Like a neighborhood attacker just going house to house. How do I know that he's not in my house waiting to kill me? So she grabs her cell phone, calls her mom and her mom is like yeah you need to call 911 I'll be right there so she gets into her car with her son I mean I, this is really smart being a mom um, I'm not one but she is so this is really smart she gets into the car backs out of the driveway and just like waits on the street for the police to arrive mm-hmm. now once the police get there sure enough they too look through the window and they can clearly see a bunch of you know bloody bodies so they knock down the door to the murder house that's what they were calling it at this point point. and the front door it was not unlocked it was completely locked everything was like tight and shut it seemed like whoever came Came to attack them came through the back door and they have no idea if the killer is still loose in the house they don't know if the people that are laying on the ground bloodied up are the owners of the house or maybe they were injured while they were attacking the owners we have no idea they hear a little bit of whimpering mm-hmm. so they're like what the fork is that so they clear every single room and the amount of blood i mean It was insane. There was blood on the stairway leading up to the bedrooms, leading to the basement. The back door in the kitchen had a blood smear on it. Just carpeting was soaked in wet, sticky blood. The ceilings had blood splatter all over it. In the basement, it was practically on every single surface. Exercise equipment, TV, the ceiling. I mean, really, really bad. So the first body that the police find is the body of a woman, Deborah Richardson. She was in front of the basement stairs, lying on the floor, covered in blood in her blue nightgown. So it almost seemed like someone had attacked her in the middle of the night. This was now like 2 p.m. Sunday. The whimpering that they heard was there was this tiny little family pet that was barking next to her nonstop and whimpering. I mean, that dog was just so terrified. She had been stabbed 12 times. She had four stabbed that punctured her lungs. She was punctured in the stomach with a stab wound and her aorta. So this is really, really intense. Then the police find the man. So the man is completely in his boxers and just head to toe, blood everywhere. Hands raised, almost as if he's in a fight. And near him, the basement railing was broken. The screwdriver, there was just like a bloody screwdriver next to him. There was also like a bloody knife and the tip had bent to look like a hook. So they think that it means that this knife had punctured a bone. Like it had went and it had knocked on some bone. So they don't know if this person is a victim or a wounded criminal. So as they approach him cautiously... To handcuff him because they have no idea. They realize that they're dealing with a corpse Mm -hmm. because his arms were frozen upward in rigor mortis.
0: Oh that that happens uh,
1: yeah I was shocked too when I was reading this book so good this book is so good but like I was like what yeah so he had been stabbed 24 times and none of those were fatal stabs he had died of massive massive blood loss now both of these two people they were in their 40s and it, they didn't die immediately the way that the coroner says it is they had moments of purposeful activity after most of their severe wounds especially Mark so it means that they died fighting especially Mark the one thing that the police constantly say is this felt like a man protecting his family and protecting his house. The way that he fought off this attacker and tried to was insane. So they go upstairs to check through the rooms. Um, there's three bedrooms in this house. So the master bedroom, no one was in there. Um, there was some like disheveling to, to make it seem like someone had run in there briefly, but there wasn't immense amount of blood. The first bedroom that they check after that is a girl's bedroom. It was a completely pink bedroom. I'm talking stuffed animals all over the place. There was no signs of violence. The only thing that they saw was a little bit of blood on the light switch very interesting now they go over to the last room and this is a little boy's room already in front of his room there was just so much blood in the hallway just the carpet was thick with blood so they did not have a good feeling about this so they open up the door and on the bed was a little boy with just stab wounds everywhere a large gash on his throat and his eyes were wide open his eyes were wide open, blood everywhere in this room. I'm talking the bed, the floor, the walls all over his toys. The police officer that found this scene said that it seemed like um, there was this lightsaber. You know, the Star Wars lightsabers. Mm-hmm. It was on the floor and it was completely bloodied up. It looked as if he had tried to use it to defend himself. He did not go down without a fight. Little Jacob was eight years old, by the way. He had multiple stab wounds on his face and the main major wound was on his neck. He had died by choking on his own blood. And they said that this was a slow death. The way that his jugular was cut was not like where it's just blood spraying all over the place.
0: Suffocation?
1: Yeah, just slowly suffocating and choking on your own blood. He was also stabbed a little bit on the side of his chest. But again, this wasn't the main wound that had killed him. There was evidence of strangulation. Um, They later find out with the autopsies. But at this point, they know something graphic happened happened so as they're going downstairs to try to secure up the crime scene they see this picture picture on the coffee table a mom a dad a daughter and a son and they're like yeah we did just go to the daughter's room Mm -hmm. but we only found three bodies yeah oh my god the girl is missing oh my god She's twelve. This is this like a Jamie Closs situation? I mean, this happened, you know, before Jamie Kloss, but in the situation of they kill the family to kidnap the daughter was the motive to steal this twelve year old girl to kidnap her. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we need to find this girl. This is what if she's staying overnight at a friend's house? We just need to like secure the premises. So they start going around asking the neighbors. Now, firstly, none of them had seen anything. They hadn't seen if a masked intruder had happened to be just prancing around the sidewalks. Like they didn't see anything suspicious. If anything, Saturday night seemed like a normal, normal neighborhood night. Like they saw Mark outside just hanging out with the kids briefly. Like everything seemed completely normal. So the neighbors identify the girl in the picture as Jasmine Richardson, who is 12 years old, but she did look a lot older than 12. But, I mean, I don't know what that means. So, meanwhile, other officers, they go back into the house because they're like, maybe we missed her. Like, maybe she's hiding in a closet. Maybe she got away from the killer and now she's so scared that she didn't even want to say, hey, police, it's me. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe we missed her body. Maybe her bloody body is, like, under a bed. So, they search everything. There was this one moment where they went back into her room and there was a quilt just like a blanket laying in the corner. And they were like, oh, shit. And they go to lift it up. And thankfully, she wasn't there. Mm. So they're like, oh, man, like this is crazy. They checked the backyard. They checked the detached garage. And they cannot find her anywhere. I mean, the police, they were stressing out about this. They need to find this girl. So that's when they realized either A, the girl has been kidnapped and she might be killed soon. Like time is not their friend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: B, the girl is dead somewhere else and they need to find her body. Mm-hmm. Or C, the girl is going to come home Maybe after spending a Saturday night at her friend's house and then they have to tell her that overnight her entire family had been murdered. Like none of these are looking good. So who is this family? Because maybe we need to find out, does someone have this crazy motive to kill all of them? So the Richardson family consisted of a dad, Mark, and Deborah, the mom, and they had moved into this house with their two children, Jasmine, who was 12 at the time, and Jacob, who was 8. They moved into this neighborhood about three years ago and people said they were full of life. That's what they ever, like, the perfect suburban family. I mean, of course, they had normal problems, like, for one, Jacob is super active, (laughs) if not too active. He's an 8 year old little boy like he's jumping off the walls nonstop. and then Jasmine, I mean she's about to be a teenager so there's some struggles with that of her trying to find her style trying to find her click and other than that they were super happy like they would go and motorbike together, go camping together and this was their first ever house. It was a monumental experience for them. So the parents, they had been married for 15 years this was the first time that they could have a tree in the backyard, a fenced yard they had a fireplace to roast mar- marshmallows. And this happened to be an even bigger deal for them because they had been in recovery programs for substance abuse when they met. So when Mark was 23, he entered himself into a 12-step rehab program. He wasn't there long because he was incredibly motivated. Like the staff remembered him. They had had met so many people, but they Mm -hmm. remembered Mark because they said that he knew what he wanted. He knew that it would take so much work to succeed in addiction recovery, but he didn't care. He was like, I'm going to freaking do it, and I'm going to do it right. So he meets a woman by the name of Deborah at the gym, and she was six years older than him, and she too had been through like the same struggles. She was clean now, he was clean, but she had gone through rehab, the 12-step program, and they started dating, and they agreed to change their lives like forever, together. And so they get married in 1991, and two years later, they have their first kid, Jasmine. So they learned how to have fun without drugs. That's what they kept saying. You know, they loved riding motorbikes, being active, going camping. Then they eventually moved to Alberta, Canada because the oil industry was booming. So they're looking for like a lot of hardworking, um, like working class people. So they're like, we want opportunities. Let's move our family there. They have their second child, Jacob and Jasmine got along really well with him. She was not jealous. She would, they would play all the time. It was super cute, but it wasn't always easy. So the family had financial problems. In the beginning, they would go to food banks, and Deborah was never embarrassed. She was so excited, actually. She'd be waiting in line at food banks, not ashamed, not embarrassed, but just excited to get ingredients to make cookies for the kids. She was known for always stretching the dollar and making good meals. That was what she was known for. So they had this slow, steady progress. It was not like a success overnight. It wasn't like, oh, let me start my own business, entrepreneur, hashtag CEO. That's really aggressive, Stephanie. <laughs> it was never like that. Like the dad, Mark, he started taking all these engineering classes and then slowly he got it promoted at work and more and more and more. And then Deborah, she did house keeping She was, you know, doing all these small jobs. They saved up all of their money and eventually they were at a good place to buy this like $160,000 house with three bedrooms with a fenced yard in a good neighborhood. And the way that people describe them is that the couple, they treated each other with the utmost respect, but they treated their kids with respect and love, too. They, they weren't like those crazy, overbearing parents. They mm-hmm. were the type of parents that'd be like, well, no, like, let's talk about it. I don't want to just say because I said so. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Deborah was super spiritual super spiritual and she was specifically into native spirituality so like the spirituality of indigenous people so she had this strong interest in like sweat ceremonies medicine wheels like dream catchers she always kept one in the house okay (laughs) like i don't want to go on and on about the victims because like i get it but like i have to say this she actually started mentoring and sponsoring people at narcotics anonymous and people loved her she spoke at these meetings and she was inspirational i mean think about it she was in that same position as so many people that were and now she has this beautiful family she lives a clean life but she's so happy she would do this thing where if she was worried about someone she would call them up and they wouldn't pick up and she would leave a voicemail and say something like i don't need a phone call back just wanted to let you know that i love you till you love yourself that was like her favorite thing to say she would also say i love the bones and the skin that you're in Which like I know if this was um, in a different case And like a serial killer said that Totally different vibes (laughs) But like when Debra's saying it I mean you know that she meant well So Jasmine's childhood The older child So the 12 year old She was really close with her parents People said that she radiated wholesomeness That was the word that people described her with Just wholesome She's got these clear blue eyes These thickums eyelashes She's got this long darky glossy hair And she's like a very petite Very pretty girl She's very pretty. So she ends up going to Catholic school and she was an honor roll student. Yeah. Really studious. Just like a normal girl. She had a couple of close friends. And by the time that she's in the sixth grade, she's doing what sixth graders do. All the weekends, she's got her friends over. They're watching movies, trying on new hairstyles. They're going to the mall, getting some pizza at the mall. Like that was their thing. They were living such a normal life. And she also loved doodling. The only times that she would really get in trouble during this time period was she would doodle her band teacher as a duck. So, like, I guess she didn't like her band teacher. So she's, like, doodling the face onto a duck. So it's cute. I mean, she was in a swim club. She did judo. And she was really into, like, Wicca. So she loved crystals, meditation, loved spirituality. She got it from her mom. Now, Jacob, he was... (laughs) crazy energetic i'm talking energizer bunny through the walls everyone adored him he loved hockey he loved star wars and people claimed that he was the most joyful energetic kid that i've ever met so in school he was known as the class clown clown and in his uh, kindergarten yearbook he wrote when i grow up i want to be a policeman or a soldier which i can only imagine the police officers after they saw his body and then read stuff like this like this would have destroyed them and then they he wrote The thing I like best about me is that I have a family, and I'm very fast. I know. So they purchased this 1,000-square-foot three bedroom house in 2003, and, you know, everything seemed to be going well. Now, at this point, the police are starting to look for the endangered Jasmine. I mean, they start realizing that maybe, like, what's going on? We need to find her. Now, one thing that they did notice in her room that was odd is that there was a little bit of blood on the light switch, and they couldn't help but think that killers and attackers don't really turn off the lights before they leave they don't really care to so this must mean that maybe she has been kidnapped maybe she has been abducted so they go to Jasmine's school because they're like maybe maybe someone here knows anything about her like maybe her counselor maybe they know what kind of friend she hangs out with we Mm -hmm. need to get to the bottom of it is she at a sleepover or has she been abducted and so the counselor who knew Jasmine really well is like well I don't really know her friend's names and I don't really have their like phone numbers but why don't I try to go into her locker because it was like this tradition that these young girls would do these like seventh graders they would write their best friend's numbers on their lockers Mm. you know just to remember it so the police they couldn't do it because they didn't have a search warrant but the counselor was like well i am allowed by my job rules to open up lockers if i really want to so i'll do it so she goes and she starts flipping through her binders and that is when a piece of paper slips out and she froze the piece of paper was a drawing by jasmine and it was a family of three stick figures being burned alive, while two stick figures stood on the side laughing. What? It was really graphic. The stick figures said things like, help, I'm being burned alive. Help, my flesh is being burned off. And then the two stick figures that were Jasmine and someone named Jeremy said, ahaha, ha, you're burning alive. The unimaginable pain. Did
0: she even wrote her name on there?
1: Well, they knew it was her. It looked like her. Oh. And so they were like, what? So she gives this to the police and the police immediately start to consider her not only missing, but as a suspect. So because she's 12 years old, they do not release any of this information to the news. They only release the fact that she is missing because they don't want to be like, hey, suspected killer 12 year old. Like, if you see her, let us know, because Canada's really crazy about their underage like laws. So even her identity for most of this, even in the book Runaway Devil, they never use her name. They just call her Jr. But I mean, it's been leaked and it's used her name's Jasmine Richardson and it's no longer her name. She changed her name. It's Mm -hmm. a long story. We'll get into it. So the rumor was, you know, immediately that people were like, she met her killer online and he abducted her. He killed her entire family. This predator that she met on the social media these days, you know, killed her family and then abducted her. And now she's in danger. We got to find her. Is that really what happened? So Jasmine Richardson, this is the story of the youngest Canadian convicted of multiple homicide. Her youngest victim was eight years old, and she was only 12 years old at the time that this took place.
0: And these are her family. These
1: are her family members. Wow. Yeah, that wasn't the only twist in today's case. So... (laughs) So Jasmine, you know, after the sixth grade, she's got all these friends. Her baddest thing that she's ever done, bad bits, is draw her band teacher as a freaking duck. Now, during that summer, though, things started going a little bit different. She's always been artistic and she started identifying with the artistic roots of goth culture. She like loved it. So she loves like wearing black clothing. She wanted to wear a choker, these oversized hoodies with like logos of just heavy rock bands, skulls. All of that. She wanted to wear like the thick eyeliner. And she loved this band called The Misfits. Now, I know that some people not a lot of people, maybe like the older generation would like to argue that this has impacted her life, this has influenced her but I highly doubt it. Even she herself said that the lyrics to these songs were not that violent but just more creative and very expressive. That's what she liked. So her friend group that she had in 6th grade starts dividing themselves up into two different groups. You've got the regular group of girls and then you've got what they called the bad group. So these are the group of girls that went goth as they say. So they just started wearing dark clothing, wearing makeup, wearing chokers but they were really pissed off now that they were labeled as the bad group because they're thinking to themselves I didn't even do anything bad though I didn't even my personality is the same I'm just listening to a specific type of music and wearing darker clothing. Why does that make me bad? She was just getting angry. It just seemed like she had so much pent-up anger. So the summer of 2005, Jasmine's heading into the 7th grade. She's 12 years old, right? But she could easily pass for 15 or 16. That's what people say. I don't know. I take it with a grain of salt. It still doesn't, it still doesn't mean anything to me. You're still 12. And she starts joining these social media websites. And she was um, really vague on them. On some of these websites, she never gave her her age on some she said that she was 16 on some she said that she was 15 on one she said that she was a single woman with a dog bisexual and gave no name so it kind of implied that like she's like a working woman <laughs> like just 19 living on her own i don't know i mean i would say that i did see a couple profile pictures and she looks underage mm-hmm. she doesn't look 12 to me but she definitely doesn't look 18. So under her interest, she writes hatchets, serial killers, criminal psychology, blood, moonlight, human anatomy, and ultimately kinky shit. Kinky shit. Yeah, she said her hero was um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, she listed her hero as uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, so we're just going to leave it at that. She had three different usernames on these different websites. She had X underscore Madness underscore X. She had Runaway Devil, the name of the book, and then she also had Killer Kitty. Now, what the book mentions is that all of these three sinister usernames will fulfill her life. Madness, Runaway Devil, and Killer Kitty. Mm. Creepy. So she starts posting on these websites and she says things like, I am the almighty Jacks. Bow down. I think deep thoughts. I am quite emotional and my mood is ever changing. Although I can be very good at hiding my feelings. I am told I am mentally R word. Often I am loud and I bounce a lot. I like random questions. I like to pretend I'm a gangster sometimes. But don't worry, I'm not. Yeah, I sometimes watch Teen Titans because I'm that cool. So like you Let's can kind of, Titan. it's like a, it's like a kid's show. So you can, I mean, I feel like just by looking at this writing, you know, that this is a young girl. This is 12 years old. This is not someone that's like 20. There's not even 17. Like she's very young. So she goes into the seventh grade and her school counselor immediately starts noticing, whoa, 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 what happened over summer? Like you are a completely different person. So she was wearing like what regular sixth graders were wearing. And suddenly she's wearing these shorter skirts, chains, fishnet stockings, spiked collars these like black mesh tops heavy makeup she would draw on tears right under her eyes yeah like an e-girl like that type of vibe and they would constantly call her parents about breached school dress code and her parents didn't care well i don't want to say that they didn't care but they said hey it's just an expression she's not doing anything wrong like that's how cool her parents were Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? <laughs> and so she's like embracing this style. She starts hanging out with the goth community in uh, Medicine Hat, the local mall. And that's where she starts meeting these older guys. So she meets a guy by the name of Raven, who's 19, and another one that goes by Trenchcoat, who's like 21 years old.
0: So they, all, they don't call each other real names.
1: Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine? Hey, Raven. That's so Raven. I love that show. I mean, Raven's common, like Raven Simone, but Trenchcoat give me one person whose legal name is trench coat that one viewer that's like that's really rude i'm gonna email her right now (laughs) but like it's a weird it's a weird name so she starts dating and she starts dating older like she's 12 dating a 16 year old by the name of devin to be fair to devin he had no idea that she was 12. He was under the impression that she was sixteen as well. So her mom finds out about this, and her mom's like, "Jasmine, I would just like to meet him. Like, we can meet at a, co- a coffee shop. It's gonna be completely normal. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embarrass you. You know, I'm a cool mom." So they all meet together, and uh, Devin said that Deborah was really nice and she was protective, but definitely open minded. However, Jasmine, on the other hand, she was freaking embarrassed. She was scarred by this. She said it was so awkward. She's like, "Mom, stop asking my boyfriend so many questions. Mom, you're embarrassing me." So this. Is the moment that jasmine promised herself if i have another boyfriend i will never tell my parents i'm just not even gonna i'm gonna act like they don't exist but soon afterwards the relationship fell apart not because of deborah not because of jasmine's parents but because Devin was getting really jealous i mean all the time he saw jasmine hanging out with those older guys raven who's like 19 has like a license and shit you know it's not cool and so you know she's like well can you stop hanging out with him like i don't feel comfortable and jasmine tells devon Well, I think he's, like, my soulmate. Like, can you, the balls on this girl. She was just straight up, like, I know that you're my boyfriend, but that bitch over there is my soulmate. And he tried to get over it, but he just couldn't because they would constantly be hugging and just, like, whispering in each other's ears in front of him. So they ended up breaking up. And Jasmine would later tell the police that she wasn't sad. I wasn't too upset because it wasn't really serious. That's what she said. So then enter into the picture a Jeremy, oh, man stank that's his name what is it it's a jeremy stank it's s-t-e-i-n-k-e there's no way you can't tell me that that's not stank (laughs) there's like no way some people call it stanky 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 stinky i think it's stank it just has to be. If it's not, I'm going to punch myself. So he was a 23-year-old high school dropout when they meet.
0: I'm ga- she's 12?
1: She's 12 and he's 23. Aye. So we're going to go into his whole little childhood. So he lived on the other side of Medicine Hat in a trailer park with his mom. And he was convinced that he was a 300-year-old werewolf. Yes, I said it. He was a 300-year-old werewolf. That's what he told people. He said, whenever it's going to be a full moon... You better not be where I am because I might eat you. It's hard not to laugh because like when you're 23, if a 23-year-old deadass looked me in the face and said that, I don't know how I would respond. I think I would just be like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. It would just be so confusing. So Jeremy's childhood, he was bullied in high school nonstop. I mean, it's really sad, but his even his teachers called him stinky instead of stank. I mean, or instead of however, I know, I know it's like bad that I'm pulling him for the same thing, but he's evil. So he would come home and he would tell his mom about it, but his mom didn't really care to do anything because his mom had her own problems. So Jeremy's biological dad, he would come home every single night pretty much drunk off his... He was just bonkers. He would whip him with a belt on a daily basis when he's like a toddler, drag him into his room by his ears and then beat him some more. So eventually they break up and Jeremy's mom gets remarried. So now we've got stepdad number one and he too would drink all the time and beat the children. He had three kids of his own and now Jeremy has like a younger sister. So that's like five kids total. He would line them up in like an assembly line and say, who broke the vase? all the kids would be silent because snitches get stitches. And he would make them hold out their hands and just swat at them with like a stick until one of them confessed. And then when they finally did, the stepdad would tie up other children to chairs and force them to watch the other children get abused. What? Wait, that's not what I meant. Okay, so what I meant to say was, let me clarify for a second. I just don't think that I'm coming across in a clear, concise way. Is this clear enough for you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know how many times (laughs) I've used these phrases in my emails? I mean, it got out of control. I was not writing clearly or confidently and it was, it was really deterring me from making better connections because it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. Wow, I sound like a mom. That was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I was struggling so much with this and my fiance actually told me to try Grammarly Premium, and it has been months now since Grammarly Premium has been helping me respond to emails, text my friends, just pretty much everything I do on a daily basis because it gives me real-time feedback and guidance on tone, word choice, and clarity. So some of my favorite things about Grammarly Premium is the vocabulary suggestions because I hate using overused words and phrases because does it really even mean anything anymore if everyone's saying it every two seconds. And with my emails, because I have Grammarly Premium, I can get different suggestions on this word might be more exciting, effective, or even memorable. There's also clarity suggestions because I have a tendency to run on and on and on <laughs> and it helps me write clear and more concise sentences without unnecessary or redundant words. I pretty much find myself relying on Grammarly on a daily basis, especially because it's so easy to use. You can pretty much put it in your desktop editor, browser plugin, and use it on mobile apps. And it improves all of your writing on all your favorite websites and apps like Outlook, Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. I wish I could implant Grammarly Premium into my head, into my brain, because like, how bomb would these podcasts be? So do more than just spell check. Say what you really mean with Grammarly Premium. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at grammarly.com slash rotten mango that's 20 percent off at grammarl dot com slash rotten mango so then obviously that relationship doesn't end up working out and Jeremy's mom gets another boyfriend well stepdad number two and he was incredibly abusive he shattered the mom's cheekbone completely at one point Jeremy tried to stand up for it and he got into a fist fight altercation with stepdad number two and apparently the stepdad just started giving him uppercuts to the face and then pounding him on the back of the head there was one incident where he pushed Jeremy into a deep freezer so hard it apparently gave him a head injury now I I don't know if he was taken to the hospital, but I mean, there's got to be some sort of head trauma involved.
0: Yeah, holy. This cow. is insane.
1: Now, the mom on the other hand, you're thinking okay, like well she's a victim too. There's going to there's going to be a moment where she comes and she saves her son. Yes. No, she was like a raging alcoholic. So after these three relationships failed, she still kept bringing around not so great men into the house, and they would abuse her too, they would abuse the kids, and they were constantly moving because she had dated very scary dudes. So they had to be on the move. They had to keep moving their houses. So Jeremy never really had this time to like make a bunch of friends, to really settle down his roots. And he didn't do well in school. So by the time he's in the fifth grade, he comes in late every single day. So finally, the teacher's like, "Okay, all right, Jeremy, you can't keep doing this anymore. You got to set your alarm or you got to get your mom to set it for you if you don't know how to do it. And he just snapped in front of all of his classmates. He like gets up and he starts screaming like my mom won't buy me an alarm clock, just like raging at the teacher over something like this. And all the students were just terrified of him. So by the time he's like 13, he starts using alcohol and weed. Super young. He's like heavily using it. Then he starts going on to like ecstasy, mushrooms, acid. And his mom didn't care. His mom, and I quote, said that she liked him better doing weed because it made him more calm and easier to live with. So there are claims that he had ADHD. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if there was like an official diagnosis of ADHD. But I mean, it's just the moms that he did. So I don't know. She seems like the type that just doesn't like kids, really doesn't like them being loud. Because like imagine you have a kid and you're like, I love when they're high off of weed because they're calm. So by the time that he's in his teens, he tries to hang himself. And that thankfully didn't. Okay, well, I, I don't know if I can say thankfully in this situation because more people end up dying, but like it didn't work. He gets hospitalized and he was okay. Now, at 15 years old, he had drank so much vodka that it's wintertime. He passes out outside in Alberta, Canada, and he was hospitalized for hypothermia. Like, it was just a lot. So he also starts self-harming. He cut himself on the arms a lot. And um, he said that he stabbed himself in the leg a couple of times. And he would do it sober and also while he was under the influence. Now, he would start writing poems about his scars, calling them eternal scars. He would talk about the pain of life, the pain of scars, the pain of wanting to create these scars. I mean, when I read that poem, it was just... It was just sad. Like, you can't help but, like, kind of feel for this guy. If you didn't know anything else, you know, just Mm -hmm. this. It's, like, so sad. And then in high school, the bullying gets worse. Like, it was just so bad. He had to be transferred to a different class that was called the Integrated Occupational Program, IOP. It was for students that had learning difficulties. But a lot of the other kids called it, since it's called IOP, they called it Idiots on Patrol. I'm telling you, high school kids are the meanest breed. (laughs) They're the scariest meanest breed so he said that he would rather be bullied than invisible that's how everyone claimed he was he actually kind of like egged he'd it on he'd rather
0: be bullied yeah
1: you oh. know how there's like two types of kids like i'm the one that's like i'd rather be invisible what the heck but he would rather get the attention and he kind of got off on it he kind of liked it better than no attention at least someone was talking about him at least someone was talking to him and so because of that he like wanted to start trouble he started like picking fights with a bunch of football players and then he would run away to an adult immediately after so he'd like pick a fight but then he couldn't like do it yeah and he would just like run away which then resulted in people teasing him because it's like whoa You're like a tough high schooler. What's going on? So he drops out in the 10th grade because his mom started having lung problems. So he's like taking care of her. He starts working a bunch of odd jobs, delivering pizza, working at a grocery store, a hardware store, a sporting goods store, literally all the stores. And he tried to to fix his life. He tried to apply at the local college to finish his high school diploma. And that is when he heard that his grandparents passed away. And then he had like this another meltdown and he dropped out and things started going really downhill from there. He moves in to the tower estates with his mom and his sister which is like a trailer park at the edge of medicine hat so it's like not the best area and during the winter time it was was really cold the utility bills were high the water pipes would just be freeze like freezing it was just not the best so in front of the trailer it was also very messy they had um, a bunch of like used furniture like a refrigerator just in front of the trailer like outside they had a couch outside of the trailer, like a workout bench. And then they had these like plastic storage containers. So it just looked like they were using these things, but they didn't have place for it inside. And it just looked very just dangerous. So around this time, his mom gets arrested for stabbing her boyfriend just not a good you know not a Mm -hmm. good life and so she was on a one-year probation and she kept breaching that probation because she kept trying to contact that stabbed boyfriend and jeremy's relationships they were no good either i mean he didn't really have a stellar example of what love was so when he was 20 years old he starts dating a 17 year old now she claims that he got her pregnant and he demanded no i didn't Uh, let me get a paternity test now the paternity test was demanded but it was never delivered so we don't know if he's got a kid out there maybe he knows but publicly i don't think we know they broke up because she said that he had like this jekyll and hyde in him she felt like throughout all this time that they were talking she only knew 10 percent of his personality like one day he would be completely fine and then in the middle of the night he would just wake up and just start talking to himself it was really weird and then randomly in the middle of the night he would have like a crazy temper but then the next day he would just be so charming and the one thing that was consistent with jeremy was that he was incredibly eager to please he would spend every single dollar that he had which was not a lot and he was just super suggestible that's what they said he always agreed with his friends he always agreed with his family he just wanted people to like like him it's weird
0: yeah that's really weird
1: so yeah after this relationship breaks up his girlfriends just got younger and younger and younger now some people argue it's because he's extremely immature he couldn't even hold down a job he spent all of his time drinking smoking pot playing on an electric guitar just like writing this like really deep dark twisted poetry about life starts doing cocaine but i i don't know that just like doesn't sit right with me even when you're like okay i get it you're immature, twenty-one. Date like a Date like a more immature 21 year old Or a 20 year old You can find them They're everywhere I was one of them Yeah So he just starts dating Like 14 like, I don't think
0: dating A 14 or 12 year old Says that you're immature
1: Yeah It says that you're a pedophile <laughs> Yeah <laughs> legally speaking thank you yeah so the police all knew about jeremy at this point um they considered him a sad case he would constantly shoplift from grocery stores write bad checks but nothing was very alarming they never really thought of him as like this crazy danger to medicine hat like oh my god we gotta lock him up like he's so violent they didn't think anything like that so jeremy turns 22 years old and that's when he decides to go goth just 22 years old he's like you know what I really like this music there was this one band and they had music called bomb the trendies and it just was like a whole hate song uh, a bashing song about people who follow the latest fashion and pop culture so like 90% of the world Mm -hmm. and he was just like yeah like I'm different and he became obsessed with werewolves and he firmly believed that he was a 300 year old werewolf and he would post on these social media websites saying you're the light when it's dark you're the moon when I bark. It <laughs> was so bad. it <laughs> was so bad. I'm sorry. Real goth people called him a poser. So, like, if you asked any real, genuine goth person in the world, they would all say, no, he's definitely a poser. Like, it seems like he's doing it to be edgy and for shock value because most goth people, they're not violent at all. They're not occupied with, like, death and killing and, like, trying to seem cool. It's just, like, their lifestyle. They like this fashion. They like this music. It's just it's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's, like, what those weird movies would display as, goth people and then everyone watching is like that's not us what Mm -hmm. what is this now in medicine hat though goth culture did have one thing that worked in jeremy's favor is that goth goth culture had very few age barriers Mm. now no one would say i mean obviously all of his friends when he started dating like 12 year olds they were like this is disgusting you need to stop but it wasn't that alarming for a 20 year old to hang out with like let's say a 14 year old in goth culture in medicine hat so i don't know if it's different in other places because it's like it's it's not like you're doing anything illegal you're just friends maybe in a mentorship maybe Mm. you're guiding them and maybe you're like mentoring them in other things so
0: you're saying like in the area in that community there were different age groups like they all yeah. kind of hang out together right? so they
1: called them like the baby goths and then you had like raven and Trenchcoat, who were like 19 21 years old and they were like hardcore goths and so they would kind of guide the baby goths that were like in middle school and high school and they would just teach them more about goth culture mm-hmm. i i don't think that this was incredibly alarming i don't know i'm also not a parent so i have no idea Mm -hmm. Maybe it is alarming. What do I know? And so Jeremy starts hanging out with them. And he he was really popular, especially amongst the young people, because he had a car. Now, he didn't have insurance. He didn't have a license, but he drove that car. Okay, so he had that car and he had high status in the community. What really helped is that he could obtain alcohol because he was 22 years old. Now, people claim that he had a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So this is when, when the mother is pregnant, she's heavily drinking alcohol. When you come out of the womb, you, it's... There's just a lot of issues that can happen. That's why, you know, you're told not to drink when you're pregnant. There was no official diagnosis, though, because Jeremy's mom refuses to admit to drinking while she's pregnant. And in order to have the FASD diagnosis, the mom has to straight up admit to the doctors that she was drinking. But she does admit to using other drugs like codeine. While she was pregnant And this was prescribed by doctors at the time She alleges, I don't know And people with this disorder Sometimes they have developmental problems And maybe they have this urge To hang out with people who are younger than them Because they have crazy social immaturity And they are constantly rejected by their peers of their age Still not an excuse to me But like, okay, fine, whatever So he's hanging out With these kids Everyone freaking loves him They said that he's Super sweet He's polite He's fun He's caring He's energetic And he can drive us around So he hangs out At the mall That was like the hot spot For all the goths The food court That was their place Okay You got the baby goths You got the high school goths You got the freaking College graduated goths You got all the goths there And they would just hang out They would also steal a lot And they would come back To the food court To compare How much each person Has stolen Which again And side note, this does not represent goth culture, just what was happening in the Medicine Hat mall, okay? That's it. And I'm sure there was a lot of regular goth people in Medicine Hat that didn't do this whack-ass stuff, but, like, that's fine. So this is where Jasmine and Jeremy would eventually meet. So Jasmine had just recently turned 12, and Jeremy was 22 years old. So he's going to turn 23 soon. So now you're looking at a 23-year-old and a 12-year-old. Jeez. And so Jasmine, I mean, she was impressed by him. He was popular. He was like the life of the party. Everyone loved him. He was handsome. He was charming. So December 2005, they start kind of getting closer. They start going to these all ages punk shows together. They start hitting up the malls, the arcades, just like hanging out in the alleyways. Like that's what teenagers do, I guess. And they start bonding over how shitty their life relationships are. So Jasmine's main problem at this time is that her parents found out that she was friends with 19 year olds and 21 year olds. Raven and trench coat. And they were just upset about it. They were like, we don't mind you dressing like this. We don't mind the music. We don't mind you hanging out with friends on the weekends. But why is a 12-year-old hanging out with a 19-year-old? Mm-hmm. There is no logical reason in any sane person's mind that I can come up with, What, like, what?
0: Yeah.
1: It's not even, what? And so Jeremy's problem at the time, he was engaged to a girl by the name of Danielle. But they were, like, drifting apart. So he was like, what do I do? I don't know. Maybe it's because she's, like, 12. Okay, I don't know how old Danielle was. Sorry, but like just angry. So Jasmine's problem gets more and more intense. So Raven and Trenchcoat, they would call up her house and then her parents would intercept that phone call and then they would get more mad at her. So now she was like trying to get away with it and have these people have a girl call at first and then pass the phone to Raven. I mean, she was just like doing the most. And Deborah would confide in all of her friends. She would go, she was in this like entrepreneurial class. So she would go to these classes and she would just say, I don't know, there's something about my kid. It's just, she's 12 going on 20. (laughs) Like she would just be like, I don't know what to do. She carried two pictures in her wallet of Jasmine. One was her, just in her regular clothes. And then one that she called quote unquote, the goth one. And it seemed like she was really proud of her either way. She just didn't Mm. know what to do about it. She like loved her, whatever Jasmine wanted to wear or do. She loved her, but she just didn't know how to handle all these old dudes. Mm -hmm. So then Jasmine, she goes to the school counselor and she starts complaining. And she's like, I want to go into foster care. Now, when your school guidance counselor hears that, they're thinking, oh, my God, you're being abused at home. We need to figure this out. Right. We need to call CPS. So she's like, what do you mean by that, Jasmine? Mm-hmm. Is someone is someone hurting you at home? Is someone hitting you at home? And she's like, no, no. Oh, God, no, they would never hit me. They're just so freaking annoying. And so the counselor is like, are you sure no one's hitting you? Nope. They're so annoying. I can't deal with them anymore. It was just like, (laughs) so you want to be put into foster care at 12 years old because your mom doesn't want you to hang out with older boys. That's insane. So then 2006 rolls around. February 2006, Jeremy and his girlfriend, Danielle, or his fiance, Danielle, weird, they break up. And he starts posting online about the breakup. He wrote on his social media post, my love left me hanging by a rope. And he started DMing his friends and he said, hey, man, how's you doing? I wish I could kill Danielle. That stupid bitch. God, she's so totally emo. I don't know what that (laughs)
0: means.
1: (laughs) And so Daniel like wanted her stuff back. Danielle was like, hey, Jeremy, I want my stuff that I left in your trailer. And he kept writing "rar," So like that's a thing that they kept saying. Like anytime he was angry, he would email his friends Rar, like a lion <laughs> i'm sorry
0: R- r-a-w-r yes i think that's what people text back in the days
1: yes but it makes me so cringe <laughs> i'm so <laughs> uncomfortable he said Rar, what do you think
0: people are gonna <laughs> think about what people are te- uh, messaging today
1: oh my god i was thinking about that um so i saw this one tiktok side note that said think about it, in 300 years they're gonna be studying our generation exactly. and what if what if there's some sort of like information gap and everyone who has ever posted on twitter I'm dead they think people just started dying and there was this phenomenon of like posting on Twitter that you're dead it's just weird they're gonna yeah, think it's weird yeah people are dead and then
0: they're like let me just get up and <laughs> type this and then back to dead
1: exactly people were weird back in the day you never know and so he would say "rar," and he would say I'm very pissed off now cause of women's bullshit "rar." So Valentine's Day of 2003, Jeremy, 23 years old, asks out 12-year-old Jasmine, will you be my girlfriend? And she says yes. So they go to their first official date at a punk show. And she said that she really liked him. He was sweet. He was attentive. Thought he was really cute. Of course, she didn't tell her parents. So he would do these things where he would pick her up from school. He would meet her at the mall. He would pick her up further down from the street. She'd be like, I'm going to go hang out with my friend Jocelyn. And it would be like Jeremy picking up her up from the down the street, you know? He never called the house. He only talked to her online because it's less likely that the parents would pick up the phone. You know, she has like to type in her little password for her MSN account. That's Mm -hmm. what they were talking on. And Jeremy's online persona was very alarming. So a lot of these have dislikes. So in his dislikes, he wrote, my heart being broken. He very much dislikes that, okay? He also dislikes homewreckers, hypocrites, liars, and the sun. Like, how very vampire of you. Also, I think werewolves love the sun. I feel like they do. Don't they? Don't like wolves like sun. My dogs like sun. (laughs) (laughs) That's my train of thought. He said spider webs, but not spiders because they are cool. K-E-W-L. Oh, He's so cringe. He said he dislikes prostitutes. He likes to kill prostitutes, play with their insides, and then eat them. Among his other dislikes, he said he doesn't like um, accordions, like the musical instrument, pigs, cops, and the hard N-word. So he's really just a disgusting, unlikable person. And his username, his profile name was The Soul Eater. So more and more you have both of these just colliding. These worlds are colliding and it's just becoming so it's a shit show. So Jasmine, she starts getting more grounded, not because she's talking to these older guys, not because her family found out that she's dating Jeremy, but because one day she's supposed to be babysitting her little brother Jacob, who's like eight years old and her parents go off to work and she decides, you know what? I'm kind of sick of this shit. Like my brother is boring. I'm going to leave. So she walks to the local 7-Eleven with her girlfriend and leaves her brother completely without even telling him. So him being scared it's like nighttime he calls his parents and he's like yeah so like Jasmine left me I don't know what to do I'm freaking out so they leave their little work event they come home Jacob was just terrified and the parents were rightfully super pissed so they grounded her they were like we're taking away your phone we're taking away your computer and this is when Jasmine said I couldn't take them anymore and I quote
0: that's crazy
1: so after about a month of dating Jeremy finds out that Jasmine is not 16 years old like he initially thought But according to her online profile, that she was 15, which is only an age gap of eight years. So he wasn't that upset about it. Soon, like a week after this, he finds out that she's actually 12 and he still decides to date her and they start having sex. 12-23. So he's like supporting her through the time that she's grounded every night that she would sneak out of her room, go to the basement where they would just talk on the phone. So she would steal the landline, talk to him. She really liked him. He would um sing her songs over the phone, serenade her songs that he wrote. So I can only imagine that they're horrendous. You know, if you're going to sing to me, don't give me no basic rhymes. Like sing me a Bruno Mars song, a John Legend. These songs are out there. Just sing it. And so she claimed that she was falling in love with him. Jeremy would write to Jasmine these crazy things like you're the blood that flows through my veins you're the sun breaking the cloud when it rains my love for you forever as we die here together He's such a creep. They called each other cuddle bunnies. But eventually, Jeremy's emails would start getting increasingly dark. He would constantly tell this little 12-year-old girl that he's sadistic. That he's had these twisted thoughts since he was 13 years old. He loves horror movies. Did you know that when he watches a horror movie, he LOLs. He laughs out loud. ROFL. Rolling on the floor laughing (sighs) at the gory scenes. And he likes to cheer them on. And he tells her one time. One time I was at the movie theater watching The Land of the Dead, which is like a zombie movie, and I just started laughing when they were killing everyone. I was like laughing, and I was like, do it again, and someone in the front row stood up and told me, you're a sadistic fuck. I think that the front row person told him, shut the fuck up. But like, I don't know if I'm (laughs) wrong. (laughs) Because like, who screams you're a sadistic fuck? (laughs) Like, I that wouldn't even cross my mind. And he was like, but I couldn't help but laugh, man. You know, I'm so big and bad. And he bragged about his ninja swords. So he had a ton of like these swords at home. I don't know if they were real. I don't know. But he wanted an authentic katana, which is the sword of a Japanese samurai. Because it's extraordinarily sharp. he says he has a special connection with knives because when he was 13 years old a bunch of bullies they came and they jumped him and they beat him up and so since he was 13 he carries around a knife all the time and then he starts telling her about his favorite movies so he's got two favorite movies right so i'm gonna give you the lesser one (laughs) his second favorite movie is bully which is a film about a group of friends who decide that they're gonna murder the school bully and they lure him to the swamps and they butcher him with knives Okay, so his all time favorite movie, though, was called um, Natural Born Killers. And it had to do with a couple that go on a cross country killing spree where they kill the girlfriend's abusive parents and then go through all the states just killing people. And this movie was actually based off of a real case of Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate, who were um, spree killers. And they murdered 11 victims in Nebraska and Wyoming in the 50s. And this was like his favorite movie ever, which, by the way, Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie.
0: What? Yeah. And
1: so is a uh, Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if I ever say his name right. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, these are my favorite movies. This movie comes really important later. Now, Jeremy, at the same time, he's got his whole life thing going on. There's this guy by the name of Jordan, which is his best friend. And Jordan was going through some shit time. Like he was homeless at the time. There was just so much going on in his life. He was addicted to drugs. He was drinking a lot. And so Jeremy was like, hey, why don't you come and live with us in the trailer? Now, Jeremy's mom, she was a shitty mom, but she took these kids in. She said, you know what? I love trouble teens. I have a soft spot for them. So sure, you can crash on the couch for as long as you need to. And this is when Jordan said that he saw a really dark side to Jeremy. You know, he watched him cut his own hand and just start sipping on his own hand blood. And then he also mentions that he never drank it out of a glass or anything. He just like licked it off his own hand, which I wasn't thinking that, Jordan. I wasn't thinking that he was drinking it out of a glass. But thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much for clarifying, Jordan. I don't know. I mean, it's just... Yes, yeah, so they were just, on, they're like in a different place. And so he tells Jordan that he's a 300 year old werewolf, and he told all of his other friends to, don't come from a, don't, like if I'm going on a walk when it's a full moon, don't come with me, even if you want to, because I will tear you limb from limb. Yeah, I'll eat you. Now Jasmine's parents they're starting to get Suspicious like we feel like she's Communicating with these guys somehow so they Actually bring her computer into a computer shop To see if they can hack into the Emerson account Of her daughter and they couldn't They were like I don't even think I can legally do this So they just decide okay I'm gonna Take away her computer completely like I'm just Not gonna let her have access to it but Jasmine Was smart she would go to these public libraries She would say mom can I go to the library to study And then she would use their computers for free To keep emailing all of her friends Now Jasmine was losing friends right rapidly at this point because a lot of her friends were not on board with her dating this creepy jeremy dude you know they would constantly see them like kissing and all over each other and they would straight up tell her like you shouldn't be with him he is too old this feels gross like this isn't sitting right and she would tell them it's my choice leave us alone so she kept telling her friends everyone's wrong you know everyone keeps saying he's 23 but he's actually only 17. He's not he's 23 and Jasmine later tells the police that she never asked Jeremy for his real age and she just said I knew he was a lot older but I didn't want to know for sure. So anytime the friends would get together it was no longer cute it was no longer them watching movies and doing each other's hair and braiding their hair she would just constantly be on the phone with Jeremy. Now, Jeremy's friends, they're all starting to kind of get creeped out by this arrangement, too. They're like, buddy, what are you doing? You're 23. She's 12. I mean, you're a grown man. You should have a job. Not be hanging out with, I don't know, middle schoolers. That's alarming. But he didn't care. He just would constantly talk to the runaway devil and say things like, hey, sexy, I miss you more than killing people. Can we get together and kill people together? Teehee. Love you tons. So their entire dream that they had decided on was to get married, get these matching tattoo rings and have this massive goth wedding and then move to Europe where they would buy a castle in Germany, a 100 bedroom castle in Germany. And they would live there in happy married bliss forever away from her parents, which like. What? When I was 23, I was looking for, like, the best rent in the town, you know? What, what do you mean, buying a castle in Germany? I don't understand, Jeremy. What's going on? So Jeremy decides to give her this massive present that was his own vial of blood. He got his blood, put it in a bottle, and gave it to her. And after this one gift, they start, they start planning on how to kill her parents. So Jasmine, she starts getting slick with it. She's like, listen, I've had my phone taken away. I've had my computer taken away. I need something. So she decides, "Okay, mom, I'm going to go to family counseling with you. I'm going to give you a little something and you give me a little bit something. And her parents were really shocked that she agreed. They thought that she was going to put up a fight, but they didn't. So they sit down with these family counselors. And Jasmine was so attentive, like during the entire session. She's like, yes, I want to make this work. No, I love you guys. And so because of that, they said, do you want your phone back or something? Like maybe we can give you supervised hours with your phone and your computer and she was like yes but i miss my friends so much so they're like all right well do you want me to drop you off at your friend like jocelyn's house and she's like no can i go to a punk rock show like i just want to listen to music and they said okay but we're gonna go with you And so she was like, all right, fine. So they all pack up in the car. They go to this all ages punk rock show. And during the middle of this craziness, because I can't even imagine how crazy that is. The daughter, Jasmine, she's like, all right, well, I'm going to go use the bathroom. But she wasn't using the bathroom. She was sneaking off with Jeremy and they were making out in an alleyway. So now the parents are freaking out like she should be back by now. We lost her. What's going on? So she starts. They start searching the entire place. They get her friends and they're like, Jasmine, Jasmine. And they find her in the alleyway making out with Jeremy. So, of course, the dad is furious because they can tell that this dude looks like he's in his 20s. Like he doesn't look 12. Okay, he doesn't look 13. He doesn't even look 17. He looks freaking 20. So he's getting angry. Jeremy sees that, makes a run for it, just dips and jasmine she was embarrassed she was ashamed and the parents were really angry so they grounded her again but she's still emailing him from the libraries and she would constantly say things like i miss you i miss you i love you and i also want to bang you and these are the types of emails where you can start seeing jeremy's insecurities so he seemed that he didn't like it when she talked about sex rather than love it's weird
0: Hmm.
1: like she would say um Oh, she would say sex, 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 sex. Oh, and love. Like that was the way she just like wrote an email called sex, 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 sex and love. And he said, and love. What, what does that mean? Why and love? Why isn't it love, 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 love? Like it was just weird. He seemed really insecure. And she was like, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And he was also really jealous that she was talking to Raven at the show and he just didn't like that. So he starts calling her at night again. And the parents intercept. And they find out that it's the dude that was making out with her at the punk rock show and they get even more mad. And this time they kind of tell Jeremy off. I don't know what they said to him. I'm sure it wasn't mean, but it was just like, hey, please stop calling our daughter. Like, that's not okay. You know, how old are you? And Jeremy gets a hold of Jasmine and tells her, God, your parents are so unfair. My mother was nothing like your parents. Do you want to know Why? Because my mom has been living on her own since she was 15. She used to hang out with 25-year-olds and stuff, and she knows what it's like to be us. Too bad your parents don't. They should get with the program, though, and realize that times are ever-changing, and they can't stop it.
0: Can't stop what?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And she's like mad with him. She hated being treated like the 12-year-old that she was. So she starts emailing him about the killing. She's like, all right, well, I hate them. So I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. So we are set. I'm going to try and call you, but I really don't know if I'll be able to. They're treating me like shit. I hate them so much. But I hope this won't bring us far apart. I hope to talk to you soon and love you with all of my heart. And so he, he starts telling her, we need to get creative with the details. Stuff like that. Some of you guys might not know this, but I have a food-based channel on YouTube. I'm obsessed with food. It's my jam. And so, of course, I love browsing markets that are thriving, that are popping, because I go through all the aisles. I'm like, let me look for healthy food, snacks, and body care. I mean, I'm all about it. But did you know that you can actually do that on your couch? Did you know that? Because that's a game changer for me. You don't have to wait in those lines anymore. You don't have to get bonked in the back with a shopping cart. You don't have to do any of that, because I'm about to introduce you to Thrive Market which is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You can easily shop by 70-plus diets and values like keto, paleo, are you gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, do you only want to eat fair trade certified, BPA-free, and more. Thrive Market members save an average of $32 on every single order, which almost pays for the membership itself. So my first order that I ever made with Thrive Market, I was shocked because I saved, I think, close to, I think it was a little over $40, and they have two membership option. So you can get a one month membership for $9.95 a month or a 12 month membership for $5 a month, which is billed at $59.95. They have exciting new offers that are exclusively available only to you guys. And if you join a day, you can actually get 25% off of your first order and a free gift. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything you need. Organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, safe supplements, and non-toxic home. Plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. Orders over $49 or more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon neutral shipping from their zero waste warehouses. So join Thrive Market today to get 25% off your order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com slash rotten. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rotten to get the exclusive offer of 25% off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rotten. And Jeremy writes a very, um, very incriminating post Mm -hmm. on social media. My girlfriend's family are totally unfair. They say that they really care. They don't know what's going on. They just assume as their greed continues to consume. She is slowly going insane. She continues to think that I came to her life to help her out and to stop what they've been trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats, I want to slit. They will regret the shit that they've done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. Their blood shall be by payment. He likes poems. Hmm. So she starts sneaking out in the middle of the night. Sometimes she was caught. Sometimes she was extra grounded. But on one occasion, she snuck out without her parents waking up. And he picked her up in his mom's pickup truck. And they ended up having sex that night. 23 and 12.
0: That was the first time.
1: Seems like it. But they continued on. And she had laid out pajamas on the deck. So when she got back, she put on her pajama pants and her whole pajama set. And as she's opening the door again, the dog starts barking. So the parents wake up and they're like, what are you doing? Are you sneaking out again? And she's like, mom and dad, are you crazy? Why would I sneak out in my PJs? I had a really bad dream and I just wanted to take a walk in the backyard. And she doesn't know if they believed her But they didn't question her Now side note I firmly believe that they didn't believe her But like they just yeah. didn't want that fight again So Jeremy and Jasmine They keep talking about Like this is this is a Romeo and Juliet situation They're just like locking me up This is unfair We gotta run away to a castle in Europe But they come to the conclusion That they can never run away Because her parents would never stop looking for her They would track her down They will find her So the only way that they can live in this castle in Europe Is if they get rid of her parents parents for good and her little brother because it'd be unfair to leave him without parents so they start running through situations together should we shoot them should we stab them should we knock them out and then set the whole house on fire should we poison their dinner now a lot of the friends that knew the two said that jasmine was actually the puppet master and jeremy was the puppet which is not what you would think you would think that the 23 year old is the predator the minds the brains behind all of this but Mm -hmm. a lot of people said jeremy was literally an idiot
0: and really? Jasmine
1: was incredibly smart for her age. I don't know. That's just what her friends said. So Jasmine starts telling her friends that she wants to kill her parents. And they were not having the same reaction as Jeremy. A lot of them actually stopped being her friend after this because they were like, what? Like, don't even say that. What is your deal? Like, you've really changed. Like, I don't want to be your friend. Meanwhile, Jeremy's friends, they start overhearing Jeremy talking on the phone with Jasmine. And Jasmine's asking, like, will you kill them? And he's like, I'll think about it. Like, what? He even Mm -hmm. asked one of his uh, older friends like how far would you go for love? And he was like uh, probably not that far and he was like well I don't have the courage to kill her parents on my own will you do it with me so he was going around just asking all of his friends to kill Jasmine's parents with him because he didn't have the courage to do it alone so now fast forward to Saturday April 22nd when everything was supposed to be just a happy day so Jacob and his neighbor were playing in the backyard they had hot dogs that day that Mark had grilled in the backyard mm-hmm. and the neighbors had seen that but uh, he, he was supposed to sleep over Gareth was supposed to sleep over but um, he had the hockey game that he was going to in the morning so he's like oh i'll just see you tomorrow after the hockey game and um mark the dad he just had his truck fixed and other than some of the problems with their teen daughter like life was good jasmine was taking a bath on saturday her friend actually emailed her asking her hey tomorrow on sunday do you want to go swimming or to the mall and she said i can't And her friend said why why not and she never responded so meanwhile, this Saturday, Jeremy is drinking, smoking pot. All of his friends are over and he starts getting mad at Jordan, the guy that was like living in the trailer. And he's like, why won't you kill her parents with me? Like, why? Why? And one of the friends overheard and they knocked on the door and were like, well, are you guys fighting? Like, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. And he just said, well, somebody's chickening out. And he walked away so jordan's trying to talk to him again like hey you shouldn't do this like i don't know what you're talking about you're crazy like is it because you're high right now like what's going on and he said if i find out that you or anybody else told the police about this i will kill all of you because i don't know who's the rat and jordan's like so all these innocent people will have to be killed because one person said something yeah he said yeah So he starts inviting more friends over, and he starts calming down a bit, and they start watching Natural Born Killers, his favorite movie. Now, one of the people that came, she becomes important later, is the blonde vampire. Her name is Casey, and she's 19 years old, and she's always had this massive crush on Jeremy, and he knew it. So he would ask her to do just outrageous things for him, like, hey, go to the store, buy me cigarettes, and come over to my house, and she would just gladly do it. So she comes over to his trailer at around 11 p.m., and said that Jeremy was in good spirits and he was talking about the movie and he would kind of like fast forward and be like oh we gotta watch this part again we gotta watch this part and so there was a part in the movie where the female lead they kill the dad for sexually abusing her and they drown him in a fish tank and he stops it looks at his friends and says well jasmine doesn't have a fish tank so it's kind of like everyone was like wait what that doesn't even What? that's weird so then they start skipping forward in the movie and there's this part where um the main character, after they kill her parents, her little brother appears. Now, her little brother is not actually her brother. It's her son. And he was a product of the rape by her own father. But mm-hmm. they don't they don't kill the boy. They set him free. And he pauses it again. And he says, well, that's where it's going to be different. Jasmine's going to kill her brother. And everyone's like, what? I am alarmed that world? nobody called the police, you know? I am mm-hmm. just, like, so confused. I mean, I get it if you, like, say just things like ah oh, I'm so mad I could kill her but then like if someone's like well yeah we're we're not going to set him free I'm going to I'm going to murder him I would call the cops yeah I'd call the cops for sure. So
0: you think all the friends thought that he was just bullshitting?
1: Yeah, because he does seem like the personality that talks a big game. Mm. So they were like, "All right, sure, sure." But also, he's drunk and high. So mm-hmm. that's when he leaves and he drives to his dealer's house. And nobody wanted to help him with the murder. So he decides, "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some courage, cocaine courage." So he starts drinking more vodka, something called vampire wine. He starts smoking, smoking, uh, snorting coke. He did a couple tablets of ecstasy. And then he starts driving to Jasmine's house. He picks up this little pine cone and he throws it at her window. And she wakes up and she's like meet me downstairs right and so they go to the basement and he she opens the door for him and he's in there now he's like stumbling around he's like out of his mind just like coked up drugged up I don't even know what I would call this there's so much substance in his system and he's got this knife in his hoodie pocket he's wearing mask a mask and all black and when he's in the basement so much noise so Deborah she wakes up in the middle of the night only in her nightgown and she's like oh my god Jasmine's sneaking out again so she goes into the basement turns the light on and that is when Jeremy just starts lashing at her with the knife and she starts screaming and she put up her hands to defend herself and he lunged and stabbed her in the abdomen. So Mark, he hears this. He bolts out of his bed and he sees the scene of Deborah on the floor. There's a masked figure in all black with a knife standing over his wife. By this point, um, Jasmine had gone back into her room. Uh I don't know why, but she just like left. And he grabs a nearby screwdriver and he goes at the attacker. Uh And the only reason that I think and most people think that Mark went after the attacker is if you were alone, you would run. But his right. kids are upstairs, so he needs to kill this person. Yeah, because
0: he yeah the person is attacking the wife. What the hell?
1: Exactly. But it's like you know, it just goes to show that like he, he his only thing was like protect the family, of not course. even about him. Yeah. So he grabs the screwdriver and he lunges at Jeremy, and he's a two hundred pound dude, and Jeremy is like a like a like a weak little bitch, and he tackles him down, and he starts. Pushing his thumbs into the eyes, like you learn in those self defense videos, to Jeremy. Okay. So Jeremy is now on the ground and he's getting his eyeballs pushed in by this 200 pound man and he starts just slashing wildly with the knife. And Mark was on top of him trying to gauge his eyes out and he wiggled out from under him and tried to run. Now, even after being stabbed probably over a dozen times, he still gets up, Mark gets up and tackles him down again and starts choking him. And Jeremy stabs him some more. Now, at this point, Jasmine runs to see this whole situation. Because she's like, what's taking so long? Well, I don't know what she was thinking. But she comes to see the situation. Her mom is there laying dead. I'm sure she assumes. And her dad and her boyfriend are in this massive fight. Like a Mm -hmm. death battle almost. And she just like runs back upstairs. That's it. Just runs back upstairs. And Mark kept asking, who are you? Who are you? And then finally, he asked, Why? And the last words that Mark Richardson would ever hear is because you treat your daughter like shit. It's what your daughter wanted. Oh. And none of those stab wounds were fatal. So he bled to death. Now Jeremy meets up with Jasmine in the kitchen and she hugs him. And kisses him and tells him that she loves him and says, all right, we'll just wait down here. I need to go grab my stuff.
0: That is crazy.
1: She's like calm. She goes upstairs and that's when Jacob wakes up and he goes to Jasmine and he's terrified he's like what's going on jasmine what's going on i'm scared i don't know what to do and she said that she tried to strangle him to get him to go back to sleep and he's clawing at her arm and saying like why are you doing this why what are you doing what are you doing and just like wiggling so at this point jeremy comes upstairs from the kitchen and he's dragging all of this blood up he said that he almost died which like i don't want to say that i wish he did but whatever so he's dragging up all this blood he's drenched In the parents blood just drenched and he allegedly tells her that we can't just leave him So now this is where the story gets fuzzy because jacob was brutally murdered He was stabbed in the face and he he was slashed in the neck. He was stabbed in the um the chest Mm -hmm. But we don't know who the killer is because they keep blaming each other Hmm. So jasmine admits to strangling him and stabbing him in the chest But she said that she only stabbed him in the chest because jeremy forced her to and then jeremy says that he just watched her kill her brother so it's all over the place. Now, Jacob's dead. And Jeremy starts freaking out. And he's like, well, we need to go. We need to go. And he starts getting paranoid. And he doesn't know how to wait. And she's like, just wait. Like, I need to pack my stuff. Which, by the way, the, the stuff that she packs is just, it's going it's to blow your mind. She packs, she steals her mom's purse, her mom's wallet. She packs clothes. She packs her toiletries. Like, she's going on, like, a weekend overnight trip. And she packs lavender bath bombs. Like, bath beads. I guess, I guess she's like trying to take a bath soon. I don't know. Like it's, can you, I can't even think about that type of logic.
0: It's like things that you truly packs when you are ready for a vacation.
1: Yeah. Like a, yeah, exactly. Yes. Not even like a, oh shit. Like I gotta go somewhere real quick. Like a go bag. No, it's like a vacation. Exactly. Let me bring my little bikini just in case. I don't know. Maybe there's a pool in prison. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> So she's like packing all of this and she's taking her sweet time. So Jeremy, he starts freaking out. He rushes to his truck and just starts driving. He stops in the middle of the road, throws up nonstop on the side of the road and just drives back to the trailer. Now, when he gets home, his friends are still there and they're all asleep. So he goes into his room, he showers and one of his friends wakes up to like hear him stuffing something into like a plastic bag. So by the time that they are all awake, like he is completely cleaned up. He did have a cut and a super swollen eye. Like one of his eyes was just swollen shut. Mm-hmm. Now, Jasmine, she's done packing. She's like, where the heck is Jeremy? So she freaks out, goes to the yellow book that they have and calls for a cab. Now, she's like, all right, well, I need cash for this and I don't have cash. So she steals her mom's credit cards, goes to the 7-Eleven and takes out money from the ATM, then comes back home to get into the cab and they go back to the trailer.
0: Wait, so Jeremy didn't drive her?
1: No, she got a full on cab.
0: He left her there? Yeah. What?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So after the cab driver drops her off, he just remembered that the whole ride, I mean, she was pretty calm. If anything, he was worried for her because she looked young and now she's going to like the bad part of town and she's getting Mm -hmm. off at a trailer. So he was like, man, I hope nothing bad happens to her, not realizing that she herself is evil. I mean, I know she's 12, but still. And so they hug and they tell each other that they love each other. Then they immediately get into the car and they go to the dealer's apartment. So he had just been there right before the murders, getting all the cocaine and the ecstasy. And now he's back. But now his eye is like swollen shut. I mean, it looked like something bad had happened. And the dealer said that Jasmine was just spaced out like she had seen a ghost. And they sit down, they ice his eye. And he asked the dealer, hey, how do you clean a blood off of knives? And he said, what? And he said, yeah, not a knife, but knives, multiple. And he's like, I don't really know. Then they walk into Cam's room, the dealer's room, and they have sex. So they have post-murder sex. So now we're talking, you know, the next day, Sunday comes around. They wake up, they drive to the liquor store, and they go to this like huge raging party at an apartment complex that was just like a few miles away from So they from haven't thought
0: about the aftermath.
1: No. They just thought they would get away with it and like go buy a castle in Germany okay i know your brain is like i'm trying to understand so they go a few miles away from where her parents dead bodies were literally being found by the police around this same time and they go to a party like a full-on party jeremy had these sunglasses on to hide his swollen shut eye but eventually in the middle of the party he just like takes it off grinning like he's like grinning in pride and he's like let me tell you about the crazy fight that i just got in he didn't tell them about the murders but he kept talking about like how he just like beat someone up yeah he's such a bad bitch so there was a girl that was there with a baby she was 17 honestly side note outside of um jeremy i feel really bad for all of his friends like even when they testified there are parts where you can just hear about their life story and it's just it's so sad and so she was there and she met jasmine for the first time and she said that jasmine seems so happy and like really nice and just really chill which is really shocking. So on the couch in front of everyone, they just start like making out and dry humping in front of everyone. And it's making people uncomfortable because at this point they can kind of see, well, she looks really young. You know, and you look, you look old. What's going on here? And everyone kept saying that Jasmine seemed super happy. Like she was giggling. She was laughing. She was rubbing up on him. And Jasmine would later tell the police, but I wasn't happy. I was just trying to act normal and keep it together. I needed to make sure that he still loved me. What? So then James, there's this guy named James who arrives at the party. And this is like a good old friend of Jeremy's. So he's like, what's up, James? Like, let me talk to you in the other room. Now, James said that this entire conversation lasted about 30 seconds. He met Jasmine and they immediately said, we killed my girlfriend's family last night and I gutted them like fish. That's what Jeremy said. And he was like, what? And the fact that they were talking about it, like it was a completely mellow conversation. Not that they just admitted to murder. And he said, what? and Jasmine tells him, "My little brother gargled" because he was choking oh, on his own blood.
0: Man.
1: And so he didn't believe it. Because who even if you did do that, who who tells a random person at a party that? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're friends, but still random. And so he's like you guys are crazy. And he walked away. He didn't really believe it, but he still didn't want to be there. He was like, I just like something feels weird. I don't want to be here. So he leaves the party and he goes back home. Now, Jeremy, he starts asking from for favors from the blonde vampire. Remember the girl that's like obsessed with him? Yep. He was like, hey, Casey, can you go to my place and wipe down my mom's truck? and she said okay so she goes and she starts wiping the seats clean and she she thought it was like rust there was some material on some of the seats and she thought it was rust it's probably blood she removed all of the receipts the empty bottles you know cleaned his car to be extra nice and she comes back to the party thinking like oh he's gonna be so happy that i cleaned his car but jeremy seemed actually super agitated because at this point there was talks about the murders nobody knew it was jeremy Right, The police hadn't even revealed that it was Jeremy. The police at this point hadn't even revealed that Jasmine was missing. They Mm -hmm. just talked about there's murders, like there's a crime scene, the news reporters were out there, and he just seemed on edge. Now, once they do release the names Mm -hmm. of the family, James, the guy that just saw them at the party, he's like, what the fork? So he calls the police and says, yeah, they straight up told me this. And this would be completely incriminating evidence later. And then Jordan, the guy that used to live with him in his trailer, the roommate, the one that he begged to kill the parents with, he, too, thought it was kind of fake. Like, he was just saying some nonsense when he was high. Saw it on the news, went to the police station, and he was just, like, sobbing, giving his statement. Like, I didn't know it was real. If it was real, I would have done something. I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, he was freaking out. So, the police were shocked because, I mean... They ha- they knew Jeremy. Jeremy was a rather timid guy. They didn't think that he was capable of committing violent crimes. Like he just he had a rough upbringing and he did some dumb shit. But they didn't think that he was like that evil. So they start trying to find them down and they start talking to all of their friends. And around this time, there's a guy by the name of Mick at the party. I know there's a lot of dudes. So there's this dude. What's the name? Mick. Okay. Like Mickey Mouse. So he's like, well, I live two and a half hours away. So I need to go back home, but I need a ride. Now, there was another girl who was a runaway. So her picture had actually been blasted on the news because her parents were like, she's underage and she's runaway. Like, we need to find her. And so she was like, oh my gosh, people have been looking for me in this town of, you know, Medicine Hat. Why don't I go with you to where you live, two and a half hours away, and maybe I can stay with you. And Mm -hmm. Mick was like, oh yeah, you can totally stay with me. I'm sure my mom will be chill with that. And so they all packed together in this car. We've got three girls and Mick, Right and it's a pickup truck
0: Three girls
1: Yeah so there's the blonde vampire uh-huh. And then there's Jenny which is the dealer's girlfriend And mm-hmm. then there's Kaylee who's the runaway uh-huh. And then we've got Mick So there's four people in the front And then that is when Jeremy and Jasmine were like Well we want to go mm-hmm. But there wasn't any space in the truck So mm-hmm. they put down all of this like um, blankets On the back of the pickup truck mm-hmm. And then they do, were Do the
0: people in the car know that they, they're murderers? Nope
1: Oh, they're Not just like, yet okay. Oh yeah So they they put blankets all up in the pickup truck And they lay down and put blankets on top of them And they just stay hidden In that pickup truck for the two and a half hour drive To the city of Leader. Now what's weird Is that they were actually laying on his plastic bag Of bloody clothes the whole time I'm just like He didn't dispose of it He just brought it with him
0: Hmm I see. So
1: they get to that dude's house, Mick's house, and his parents immediately said, yeah, no. Like, no. I don't know. Are you crazy, Mick? Like you thought you thought two and a half hours ago that you were going to just bring your friends here. And I was going to be like, yeah, they can have a sleepover. I love housing runaways. Like, no. So Mick was like, all right, guys, sorry. Bye. And he goes into his warm house. And now we've got the three girls and the couple. And they're essentially like homeless. They didn't have money for gas. They didn't have money for anything. So they're like, all right, well, we have weed. So let's just smoke weed and try to sleep in the cold car. And it was just not a comfortable night. Now, at this point, all of their faces are on the news. Not Jeremy's, okay? But, you know, um, Jasmine's is. They're just saying, this is a missing girl. This is a missing girl. And the police also revealed on the news that they might be in leaders. They might be in like neighboring towns, like neighboring cities. We Mm -hmm. don't know So there was a rookie cop This was like his second shift on the job And he was like He woke up in the middle of the night And he's like You know what If they're headed to leaders They're going to need gas They're eventually going to need to go to a gas station And there's not a lot in this small town So he decided to stake out at a gas station For hours in an unmarked vehicle
0: I mean that's smart too I know This rookie
1: cop ain't a rookie
0: He thinks actually Yeah
1: because there are so many cops Who have been on the job for like 20 years And I'm like that's your thought process But this guy This guy I might trust him with my case Okay if I had a case I might trust this man's And so he's just like waiting there the whole time. And it it took a while. So the girls, they sleep. And then finally, they were like, all right, well, let's go to the gas station. Like, we need to buy some water and stuff. They get to the gas station. The couple is hidden in the back of the pickup truck. So they're still covered in blankets. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving into the gas station. Just the three girls now. So they go in, they buy some water, and they see newspapers filled with the Richardson family's faces all over them. Just like family brutally murdered overnight in their house, murder house, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, my God, we should buy one to, like, show Jasmine because her parents have been murdered. That's crazy. So they're like, all right, well, let's get some hot Cheetos first. (laughs) They, like, buy their stuff. (laughs) They don't, like, run out. You would think that they would just, like, run out. But they're like, all right, well, can I get a pack of gum, too? And they just, like, buy all of their stuff. Then they go out and they show Jasmine in the back of the truck. Now, at this point, the girl still did not believe that these people are murderers. They're like, oh, my God, Jasmine, your family has been murdered. Mm -hmm. And she just started giggling. And they're like, what? And Jeremy was like, well, let me see that. And had a picture of, uh, you know, her when she's not in all of her, like, goth wear. Like, it wasn't a social media picture. It was, like, yeah. a yearbook picture or something. And she was, he was just like, that doesn't even look like you. And uh-huh. they're just giggling. So the three girls, they get back into the truck. And they start driving away. Now, the rookie cop... He's following them. He had seen them at the gas station. He just thought it was weird. It was in Alberta Plates. Uh. So it wasn't even their town. So he's like, something's weird. Like, I got to follow them. So he starts following them, calls for backup. And then finally, they stop at like a high school parking lot to like do more drugs and stuff. And the police had enough backup to arrest them. So they come and they get the first three girls out and they check the trunk. They pop open the blanket and they see that the blanket is rising and falling. (laughs) There's another blanket. And they're like, it looks like someone's breathing out there. So they pop Pull over that blanket, and they find the couple and Jasmine, twelve years old, did not have her pants on
0: Oh my God,
1: so they all get arrested, and because he called for backup, Jeremy was put into a police vehicle, and the three the girls all of them were put into a different vehicle because they didn't want to you know mix them all together and Jeremy's last words before getting put into the police car was to one of his friends saying, tell my mom that she can have my TV and that I love her. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know he's like laughing. This whole case makes me feel like I have no brain cells. Like I had to double read everything because I'm like, wait, what? Did he really say that? No, I must be reading it wrong. I wasn't. So the girls, they're sitting in that one car and the whole thing that they're worried about is not about murder. It's not about Jasmine's family being murdered. It's about... Oh my God, do you think they're going to charge Jeremy with rape of an underage girl? And so they start colluding. And so the girls decide, all right, we're just going to tell the judge that the cops raped you because your pants were down. So you're just going to say that the cops pulled your pants down and then raped you. And she's like, yeah, sounds good.
0: Why are they helping her with that?
1: I don't know. And then they start talking about, what if they search us? Like, what if they search our orifices? You know, like, what if they search our. You know, because they look in your butt when you go to prison to make sure you're not like smuggling things in. Mm -hmm. And then they were like giggling. And Jasmine says, well, it wouldn't even be sexy, even if it was a hot cop, because I still really like Jeremy. What? What? So less than 30 hours since the murder of her entire family... Jasmine and Jeremy were charged with three counts of first degree murder of her family. At 12 and a half years old, she was the youngest person in Canada to be charged with multiple homicide and the press went freaking nuts. So they start questioning Jasmine and the police broke a ton of laws in questioning her like a ton. So she asked for an attorney multiple times and the police straight up said, yeah, yeah, let me get you a phone book to contact the attorney. But then they were just like not. Get her the phone book. They would just keep asking her questions. So they decided to play father and good cop, cool cop. So father cop and good cop. So instead of good cop, bad cop, right? They said Mm -hmm. one time we're going to have this one guy come in and try to be like a dad, like a dad figure, like, it's okay, sweetie. It's okay you can tell me anything you're not in trouble but when they tried that she just kept crying and crying and crying and finally they were like all right young cop let's go so he's like in his 30s he looks cooler he looks fitter you know he looks looks he looks like he could be cool outside of work mm-hmm. and he comes in and he's like my name's chris his name's not even chris he's like my name's chris and he starts like joking around with her he's like oh is that how you write your s's like that's weird that's an ugly s and she immediately liked him she was like i like you you smell nice weird so she mentions to him a couple times that she feels like she shouldn't be here because she should probably have a lawyer. But he was just like, nah, it's good. It's good. It's good. You just need to like cry it out. <laughs> like, it's so weird. What? Yeah. And so her first story about all of this, he's just like, you need to tell me what happened. Okay. No house truths. You know me. We're friends. We're best buds. So just tell me the truth. You know, just tell me the truth. So her first story was that, well the plan was to run away and that night i had snuck out it was saturday night and i told i told jeremy i gotta run away so he's like all right i'll drive you back to your place you get your stuff and we can run away forever and i went back into the house and the back door was open and my parents had been murdered coincidentally and he was like what and she's like yeah so i saw them and they were really bloody and they were obviously dead so i went to go grab my stuff and then i left And the whole time she had no emotion when telling this story. And he even asked her, like, you don't think it's strange that you have no emotion? And she was like, nope, that's the truth. And he said, swear. Swear? Uh And she waited a minute, looked at him and said, fuck. And he almost bust out laughing. Why? Because he meant like swear, like promise. But she thought that he meant swear, like say a cuss word right now. So she said, really, like.
0: oh no are you kidding and this is like
1: the moment where you're like god i keep forgetting she's 12 you know like uh, what
0: (laughs) what is going on
1: yeah he's i'm sorry i'm laughing because like just the incredible what the fuckness of this entire story is making me so uncomfortable but like she yeah And he was like, what? And he almost he had he tried so hard not to laugh. And so he was like, all right, well, that doesn't make sense to me. So let's try it again. So our second story was like, all right, you're right. Jeremy did it. But I didn't know. I didn't know that he was going to do it. I just kept saying like things like I was just joking around with him, like JK like, oh, I want my parents to die. I didn't know that he would actually kill them. But then he did. And so they're like, well, what about your brother, Jacob? And she said, well, I did strangle him because I didn't want him to feel pain. Like, I didn't want him to know that my parents were dead. Like, I didn't want him to live a life without his own parents. So that's it. But then I, I wasn't the one. I wasn't the one that killed him because, you know, Jeremy came up and was like, you need to kill your brother or I'll kill you. And she was like, I can't kill my brother. And he was like, do it now. So I stabbed him in the chest because I was getting pressured, obviously. And then afterwards, I couldn't do it. So Jeremy came over and just started, you know, stabbing him some more. Things are opening back up. I just heard on TikTok a couple weeks ago, and I've been trying to prep, that Hot Girl Summer is back on. So you know what that means. Stephanie Sue's social anxiety is uh, through the roof, might I add. That is something that has been interfering with my happiness for a really, really long time. It's been preventing me from even going to like a shopping mall. And I need to start helping myself. And that is why I love BetterHelp. BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can actually start communicating. communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. They also have a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is also available for clients worldwide. So if you guys are overseas, if you're traveling, you got better help on your side. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. You get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy because that, that makes me anxious. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed because I think most counselors are amazing, but that doesn't mean that they work perfectly with me. It's actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted on a daily basis. Join over the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been actually using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Rotten Mango listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/rotten. That's better h slash l p.com/rotten. They're like, why would he do that? Why would why would Jeremy do that? Well, he did it out of love for me. That's what she said. So the police, they get even sneakier. They said, why don't I bring you a piece of paper and a pen and you write a little apology to your parents about everything that happened. We'll just keep it in our little, you know, we're not going to show anyone. Yeah, they're going to show everyone, okay? And so this was like their way of getting a written statement. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, posed it in a way of an apology. And her apology is weird. She doesn't say, dear mom and dad. Mm -hmm. She says, dear, my lovely parental units. Weird. I am writing in response to the events of Sunday morning. A terrible thing has happened. Something I feel was all my fault. You must know that I love you all dearly and are in my prayers. I wish I could take everything back. I wish it didn't happen. I wish you were here with me right now because now I have no one. You know, I just wish that you would forgive me and Jeremy because he was under the influence of mind altering substances and did it out of love for me he is most possibly the kindest person i've ever met his wish is for my happiness through all the fights and hatred exchanged i still loved you i'm sorry my sarcasm was taken to the heart i never meant to harm you i pray you would be at peace somehow what that's so mean like it's so mean and cold but also how would you is
0: that a confession not really right
1: i mean kind of that she like Kind of, I guess, yeah, that they were okay. involved. But I just think it's so strange. And the fact that she, like, even mentions how amazing Jeremy is the murderer of her family.
0: Yeah. So I'm still waiting on the moment that she realized how dumb this relationship, this love, or whatever is. The moment is.
1: never comes.
0: still to this day
1: well you'll see so then Jeremy he gets questioned and his arrest is all over the news okay his whole weird fantasy about being a werewolf all over the news too because these internet people they're really good the minute that you're on the news they're like well look at this social media profile that I dug up and they keep telling him like you look like a wacko dude the police straight up tell him like you look funky fresh they're saying that you're a predator and that you brainwashed that girl so like tell us what happened Jer Jer just tell us we're your buds and so he okay so jasmine she's calm she's collected she's 12 jeremy was a basket case that's what they describe him as freaking crazy just sobbing just like snot flying out of his nose and he's like you don't think that i tried to talk her out of it i did but but when i did she got upset with me and you can ask whoever knows me like things got out of control but i would do anything for her they say love is blind i would do anything for that girl And they're like, what? So tell us what you did. And he said, well, we were going to run away together. And I snuck into the house and her mom saw me. And I just, I just freaked out guys. Like you got to believe me. I just freaked out and I always carry a knife on me. So I just started slashing at her. And then the dad came and he came at me with a screwdriver. I thought for sure I was going to die. You know, he's big. And so I just started stabbing him. I didn't want to, you have to believe me. I didn't want to. And it was just all a big blur. I was so high. I was so drunk. And then, um, she killed, she killed her brother and they're like, what? Yeah, I went upstairs and I watched her cut her own brother's throat and she was really calm. She was really calm. She just walked to the bathroom. She wasn't crying. She wasn't panicked. She rinsed the knife. And then she said, all right, well, I have to pack my stuff. And he said that he was so shocked that he went downstairs and started freaking out, just started freaking out a lot. And he left. Wow. So again, to this day, we don't really know. Which one's true? And then he's, the police said, all right, well, we're going to get you a pen and paper so that you can apologize. And he said, how's that going to help? Everyone already hates me. And they leave the room and the cameras are still rolling. And he says, I hope everybody is fucking happy now. And he bangs his head on the table. And he says, fuck. And then bangs his I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the way I said it it's the way i said it
0: no no no. no. I, I i can picture it i
1: can see it <laughs> and then he bangs his head on the table and he says i fucking hate myself and then he bangs his head on the table again and then the cops you would think that they would come in and be a little sympathetic uh-huh. but they're not they're like hey you gotta stop fucking banging your head on the table <laughs> and then they just leave <laughs> it's so what the fork i just don't understand
0: wow that's crazy the girl was more calm calm than him
1: more calm So then the police decide that they're going to do something crazy. We're going to let them write love notes to each other, but we are going to be the ones delivering it so we can read each note every single time. They're sneaky. Mm -hmm. So they would write about how much they love each other, how they could go back in time and run away together. And when he mentioned that, Jasmine said, in due time, we'll have our castle. We can't obsess about what could have been. I am not whole without you. In joy and sorrow, my sweet 666. That's like my sweet (laughs) devil, I guess. My
0: sweet six six six. 66
1: Yeah, and so they also compare themselves to the movie characters and Natural Born Killers. They also, which I hate, they call themselves Bonnie and Clyde, okay? If you're Bonnie and Clyde, you guys both are going to go to jail or end up dead or you guys are just toxic, okay? Bonnie and Clyde is not hashtag relationship goals. It's just not at all and they would say things like my lawyer tells me we're legends but they spelled legends wrong and she said ha close to immortality it would seem so she's saying like we're almost immortal because we're such legends and then he proposes to her via love letter in prison and she accepts his jailhouse proposal and they talk about how the world is against them and then eventually they stop writing letters to each other because the police um didn't want any more information so they just stopped delivering it we were just, all right, we're good.
0: Wait, so this happens after they're arrested and they're just constantly talking about their love.
1: Yeah, after their arrest, huh. which comes to bite them in the butt. And then Jeremy, now that he can't write love letters to his girlfriend, he starts calling someone outside of prison, a 14-year-old by the name oh. of Morgan. He, she had always been like a huge fan of his. And I don't know how you can be a fan of someone. Like, he's not like an artist. He's not like a poet. I don't know. She's like a fan of his. Okay. And they would talk on the phone. She would record every single phone call because she wanted to memorize his voice. She would stand outside of jail, hoping that he would look outside and see her devotion. Now, during the hearings, she wasn't the only one, though. A ton of fangirls came out, and these girls were crazy. They were dressed, like, in head-to-toe black, and one of the girls would just dramatically collapse onto her knees in front of the courthouse, just sobbing, and all the locals were like, this is this is disgraceful. One of them was writing about it on, like, a blog post, saying, like, one of them had a freaking Finding Nemo backpack for crying out loud, like, these are tiny little children. Why are they here supporting this 23-year-old mass murder like what Mm -hmm. a 14 year old girl wrote on her blog you don't even know him like we do all you see is evil we will see him as loving caring kind you see him as danger a threat we see him as a brother a friend nothing can change what went wrong nothing can change what we feel nothing can change our hearts nothing can change our people And they decided that they were going to go mosh for him every day. And I was like, what's mosh? Mm -hmm. It's a mosh pit at a punk show. You know, like the middle pit where everyone just like is jumping on each other. And you don't want to be in the mosh pit because you usually get injured. So all these girls would have 43 drawn on their face which was Jeremy's football number in high school that he only played for like, I don't know, like two months and never actually played on the field and was not good at football. But they drew his football number on their face and people were disgusted by this. I would say majority of people were disgusted. And of course, the goth culture, the goth lifestyle got a bunch of backlash because of this case. And they're like, mm-hmm. we didn't even, what do what we do? Mm hmm. So Jasmine's friends started posting about hating Jeremy. One of them said, you know, he brainwashed our friend. She's only 12. This is disgusting. And someone called Fat Elvis responded. These are public posts. And said, no offense, but there is no way Jeremy brainwashed your friend. He would lose a battle of wits with a squirrel. Wait, what? Saying that there's no way that Jeremy brainwashed your friend. Because if he got into a fight with a squirrel, he would lose... In terms of smartness, <laughs> oh my god! So it was just savage out there, just savage. But not Morgan. She stood by him. Um, they had plans to get married when she turned eighteen. I don't know if those ever followed through, but she was really excited. She kept an album of all the media coverage on the story, and she named the hell, uh, the albums Hell Number One through Four. She had four like scrapbooks of just press releases about Jeremy. So they're transporting Jeremy. To the courthouse one day. And they Uh do this effectively. So they have a bunch of inmates in a transportation vehicle. And they go to the courthouse. They go back to jail. Right? Yeah. Now while they're transporting Jeremy. The police officers that are driving it. Hear him talking to a fellow inmate saying. Yeah she did the 8 year old and I did her parents. It was all her idea. But you know. When someone you love asks you to do something. You do it. I tell you straight up, man. Like, her dad came at me with a screwdriver and stabbed me in the eye. The eight-year-old will be with me the rest of my life, though. She's fucked up in the head and wanted them dead anyway, so.
0: The eight-year-old what? What?
1: Like, um, the death of Jacob will always stay with him. Because it was so tragic for him, I guess. Oh. Okay, side note. Sorry, I realize that I laughed a lot in this. But, like, I'm not laughing because this is a funny story. I'm just laughing at, like...
0: I think there's a lot of what the fuck yeah, more that, like, that just I'm trying to what? find
1: some sort of like, okay, what? Yeah.
0: Wait, so the police heard him saying that.
1: To a real inmate. So and they were like, that, what?
0: Is that evidence?
1: But it's not solid enough. So next time they said, let's have a setup. So they make this whole fake courthouse appearance. They wire up the van, and an undercover police officer pretends to be an inmate.
0: And they are
1: literally recording all of it. So they're like, if he did it once, he's going to do it again. So they sit down and, you know, they really administered this thing, like orchestrated it. There's usually a wall dividing the prisoners, but they took it out so that he would be more talkative. And the undercover officer slash inmate now is like sitting there talking about how, you know, his girlfriend was being annoying. You know, all that shit. Like, what are you in here for? Like all tough. And Jeremy was like, you heard about that triple homicide? No shit. Yeah, you're looking at him. <laughs> Damn. And he was like, no shit. Fuck, you're famous, brother. And he said, yeah, so I've heard. And he goes on to say, me and the old lady have become legends. So, in like, you know the term old lady? No. That's like what older men use to, de- like, describe their wife. Like, the old ball and chain. Me and the old lady.
0: Mm, okay.
1: But your old lady's 12.
0: I I, I know, right? So, okay. <laughs> so, he's calling... The girl. Yeah, so he's like
1: trying to act like so tough and like, you know, like so old and me and the old lady, we've become legends. And he starts talking about how he hates his cellmate and he's ready to tear his heart out and make him eat it because his cellmate is pissing him off. And he starts talking about how he's not into guns, he's into knives, he loves Japanese swords, and he's like, Do you ever watch natural born killers? And he's like, well, it's the greatest love story of all time. But we just started our own love legacy. Someday they're going to make a movie on it. And then he's like, oh, yeah. And he starts talking about the charges. So Jeremy thinks that he's going to get off on at least one or two charges because, you know, Jasmine killed the brother. And the dad came at him with the screwdriver. So that's technically self-defense. So he's only getting a charge for one murder, probably not even. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, tell me about your relationship. And Jeremy starts telling him, well, I treat her like a fucking queen, you know, get out of here. Like, I'm so good to her. You know, I'm going to once we get out, I'm going to save up so much money. We're going to go buy one of those old castles in Germany. She loves the idea. And like when you look at this continent and like Canada and the U.S., there's no there's no castles. It's just mansions. And she just really wants a castle. And the police officer said that it took everything in him to not bust out laughing (laughs) because he was like, how is he so serious? He's 23, a high school dropout, does drugs all day. But also like he's going to be in prison probably forever. And he's talking about buying a 100 bedroom castle in Germany. I don't even think Jeff Bezos can get one of those. Can he? Probably. Never mind. So he says, yeah, we figured out. Like, we're going to go buy a castle and any of our friends that are still our friends, you know, we're going to invite them to come live with us because, well, it's just me and her. And then we'll probably have a couple of kids. But like castles have like 100 rooms or whatever. So they're going to live with us. So once we get out of here, we're going to get married, have a goth wedding, get these tattoo rings. And he also what I noticed um, with the, like some of the transcripts of this was that he kept adapting to the language that the fake police officer or the fake inmate was using. Mm. So I in all of his emails, I did not hear him say this word, but he kept saying fucking like not fucking, but like fucking like fucking we're going to get married. Like mm-hmm. fucking, we're gonna do this, you know? It just mm-hmm. seemed weird. I don't know. I don't know if that means anything. And like my old lady, he's never called her that. He called her like cuddle bunny and shit.
0: So he's like a changing, molding yeah. Into he different does seem people. very like
1: suggestive. Like I remember mm-hmm. th- all of his friends were saying. So then he starts describing in detail how he killed the parents. He said that he went upstairs to watch the old lady slit her brother's throat. Didn't bother at all. She didn't cry. Actually, the next day, she was laughing about it. She's got a few screws loose. And then he starts talking about how he's really pissed off with the way the news media is portraying them. He said, you know, there's people going around saying that I'm 25 and she's 12. Fucking utter bullshit, man. I just turned 23 and she's going to be 13. She's legal age. Everyone is like, how did you get such a young girl? It's called being a ladies man. You know, you know what they want and you give it to them. I think Jeremy... Jeremy, if I could just, sidebar, Jeremy, if I could just pull you to the side. I think when they asked you, how did you get such a young girl? I think they were asking, like, were you hanging out? I don't know at limited to justice at the baby section in target were you hanging out at the preschools like that's what they were wondering not like how did you how did, tell me we want to know your tips you know it's like that's not how they were talking about it Jeremy like you're crazy so this undercover work I mean he admitted to the killings described in detail the murder of Mark and Deborah, and accused Jasmine of killing the brother so this was like done deal this was going to seal the deal in court so Jasmine trial starts first and the spectators were disappointed people who could actually see her very briefly because she was underage. It's a very private trial. Um, They said she wasn't the runaway devil anymore. She was wearing this like lavender blouse. She had her hair tied back and she looked so young. It looked like she was going to a country fair pie bake-off. That's what they said. She looked so freaking innocent. So the whole defense of this was that I'm 12. I was under the control of a predator. I never wanted the murders to happen. I was just saying things. You know how kids do that? Blah, blah, so blah, blah. So she
0: finally dropped him. He She switched on him.
1: Yes, finally.
0: And he didn't.
1: Oh, well, he kind of will. Okay. But Well, only about the whole Jacob thing.
0: Right. But right now she's saying that everything's him, right?
1: Well, that's what her attorneys are saying. But when she goes to testify, yeah. she looks so excited to talk about her love relationship with Jeremy. Like she looks genuinely excited
0: weird huh, okay
1: so the judge throws out the whole confession that she gave the lawyer because they were like well this is y'all broke so many laws so that was super shady they threw it out and she ended up testifying the trial in the trial and everyone said that she's a little carla Homolka. we covered this on our youtube channel barbie and ken killers this was like months ago don't know if you remember do you remember
0: i remember them but I this happened in canada details. she
1: gave, you're gonna remember when i tell you this detail she was not a virgin when she met paul and paul really wanted a virgin so as a christmas present She sacrificed her younger sister Remember while her parents were at home They video Mm -hmm. recorded it He assaulted the sister And then they killed the sister Mm -hmm. It was like a whole thing But when she testified She too was empty in the eyes Emotionless And she gave a sibling to her lover Just like how she did You know Jasmine gave up her sibling To her lover to be murdered Obviously different context, but they just kept comparing her to Carla Homolka and she testified and she was soft spoken most of the time. Um, She talked about how they had sex after the murder. (laughs) She said it was because she was scared and he was trying to make her feel better. And she seemed to swoon when talking about their relationship. That's what everyone said. She seemed to swoon like she just seemed like, oh, yeah, this is how we met. Weird. But when they asked her if she's still in love with him, she said, nope. Now, the damning part on Jasmine was that the prosecutor, they asked her, so you didn't want this to happen. No. But you, did you know that they were dead for sure? I wasn't even thinking about if they were dead. I was, I was too busy freaking out. I didn't want them to die. I just, I just said stuff like sarcastically, like I wish my parents were dead. But you didn't call an ambulance. You didn't call 911. You didn't tell your brother to call 911. You didn't call any of your friends' parents. You didn't call any of your aunts or uncles. You don't run next door. You don't sit down and just cry. You don't rush to help your parents after seeing your mom covered in blood. You don't try to like when you see your dad and Jeremy fighting, you don't at least yell, stop it, stop it. Mm -hmm. None of that. I was just so terrified. I was panicking and I couldn't think. I didn't even know what to do. It didn't even occur to me to call 911. So when you go to 7-Eleven, you didn't tell the cashier. You didn't ask them for help. You didn't tell them something happened. Nothing. You got into the cab and you ran straight to Jeremy. And so she keeps claiming that none of this was planned. So then she's saying, well, the prosecutor's saying, well, if there's no plan, why, why wouldn't you have begged Jeremy to stop? Why would, it, why would you let your brother die? But also, why didn't you say in any of these jailhouse letters, this was a horrible mistake. This was a misunderstanding. No, I didn't want you to kill them. You didn't do any of that. And then at the end, they asked, your parents loved you too much to let you run away, didn't they? Yes. They would have looked for you for as long as they were alive, wouldn't they? Yes. They adored you, didn't they? So the whole thing with premeditation, they were just saying, you know, why didn't she call 911? Why didn't she tell her brother to run if her parents are getting murdered by this evil guy? Why didn't she check to see if anyone was alive? If she was so afraid of Jeremy, why did she run straight to him with a bag of clothes, toiletries and those lavender bath beads? You know, why didn't she run to her neighbors for help? Instead, she ran to her family's killer, had post murder sex with him, went to a party less than 12 hours later and giggled and made out with him on the couch in front of everyone.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So the jury found her guilty on all three counts of first-degree murder. And I see you nodding with a content face. I'm about to ruin it. So November 2007 comes around and it's time for sentencing because of Canadian law. The max sentence she would receive was six years plus four years of probation. And she would receive some of the best mental health care available. They were setting aside a hundred thousand dollars a year for her mental health treatment. She was actually eligible to use $1 million in taxpayer money in mental health care while she was being held. her crimes now we do know that she was probably diagnosed with something but we don't know what because you know she was underage so the records have been sealed she had served 18 months in jail already so the next four years she would be in custody not in prison but at alberta children and youth services a mental health facility that had a pool and other recreational stuff they said that she wouldn't have freedom though she would have an escort but you're not talking any cells or doors you're talking a patient room So after her probation, if she commits no more crimes, her data will be expunged. So at 22 years old, she can work in daycare. She can do anything. She can have a job and she never has to tell anybody about her past. And they can't find it. Even if she gets pulled over by a cop, they can't find it.
0: That is so scary.
1: And she's out and free right now.
0: I truly hope she's good now because... yeah. This could be very, very scary.
1: I mean, she was 12, right? So I feel like she was, she is young enough, maybe?
0: Yes, that's what everybody know, hopes. Everyone yeah. hopes.
1: That is what everyone hopes, yeah. But
0: I've also heard a lot of the BAM stories you've told. Yeah. Oh, but also man. on the
1: flip side, like 12 is so young to be doing something like that. So is that bad but or But to worse? me, is like, know.
0: what scares me the most is her reaction afterwards. Yes. The letter she wrote in jail. Like the constant, yeah. just, she. there's no remorse. There's no, I thought I was waiting for the switch to be flipped. Like for she her to realized. be 12
1: again and like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. just
0: realizing nope. what happened. But, oh.
1: And she was 12 years old in six months. If this had happened six months earlier, she would not get any jail time. Because Canada, the age of criminal responsibility is 12.
0: That's crazy. So
1: Jeremy's trial in 2008, he tried to argue that he had a rough childhood. He was bullied. He had alcoholic parents. He's an alcoholic himself, blah, 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 But then like the whole thing is like, yeah, you and so many other children, but you committed a mass murder. But like, what? So he claimed that it wasn't planned, that he, he was drugged up. He was freaked out and it was all self-defense. And Jasmine killed her brother. It's like crazy. No one believed it. The whole thing in the car, the wiretapping of him being like... Oh, yeah, I murdered them. That was played for the jury. So he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with no parole for 25 years. And still to this day, we don't know who's responsible for Jacob. But the book pointed out something that I find to be very, very fascinating. It's the fact that I think that this case is so scary because you you think no 12-year-old can possibly kill her family. Like, if she does, there's a reason. Was she abused? Was she raped? Was she neglected? Was she controlled and brainwashed by maybe a predator? Maybe a cult? Maybe Mm -hmm. she was drugged up. Or maybe she's like severely mentally ill. But we just like don't know any of that for this one. Mm -hmm. Maybe she was severely mentally ill. But up until that point, nobody saw any signs. No counselor, Mm -hmm. no teacher, no family friend. Nobody saw any signs of mental illness. So we just have no idea. Was she just evil? I don't know. So she was released with a new identity. It seems like she's probably still living in Canada. Um,
0: I think that's what also, That's why I feel like it kind of makes me a little scared too. Yeah. Because if you know someone who's abused, who has these exactly. traumas, then you feel like, okay, let's help her, right? Let's yeah. help this person. But for this one, I just, I don't know. It's just leaving me with a very... Uneasy. Incom- yeah, I, I hope nothing happens. If anything happens in the future, it's like, reaffirming me like oh shit mm-hmm. I knew this was you know this this feels wrong but
1: I think the scary part too is that because her record is completely expunged other than someone looking at her face and then looking at the pictures the very few pictures that were released mm-hmm. of her yeah, like imagine just like it's married imagine being her husband that's what I'm saying like wife. the BAM
0: story you tell yeah. you're like these people had a past that was sealed yeah and then one day this happened and everybody shook because the law was protecting them and turned out they're this person.
1: It's so scary. Yeah. I think there needs to be like an international database of people who commit crimes, violent crimes, and also stalkers. There needs to be a database like sex offenders. If you've been arrested for stalking, I would love to know. There needs to like, imagine you go on a date with someone and you can just Google if they're, you know, a stalker you probably wouldn't go on a date with them because what if you don't like them after the first date? Are they just going to freaking stalk you? Yeah. So this is this is a wild one. I know this was a long one. I got to stop it? doing that. Yeah, but that's it. So he's going to spend probably the rest of his life in jail. I mean, he does have Do the chance of parole. Do we have any but...
0: like, updates from either of them? I
1: tried to look it up. I tried. Uh-huh. I tried to stalk. But she's changed her name and nobody really knows. I mean, I saw some like anecdotes on Reddit saying like, oh, I think she's like dating this drug dealer in Calgary. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, So
0: they are not continuing their relationship? No. Okay.
1: Yeah, she's a free woman. She's in her 20s, free. She can get any job. She can marry anyone. She can... No one... If a police pulls her over, they don't know who she is. She has a completely new name. I don't know who she is. Nobody knows who she is. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's video. Let me know in the... Uh, There's no comments. Let me know. Unless you're Jasmine Richardson. And I'll see you guys for the mini-show this weekend. Bye.